the people you meet are wonderful. Montreal. The Montreal Olympics, Canada's national pride, hit its peak when Great Joy jumped for a silver medal. Here's 70,000 people. It's quiet. You can almost hear those marathoners splashing up the track. Here's Great Joy. His third attempt. He's up. He's got it. Another great moment in Canadian sport. Edmonton Eskimos led by Dan Kepley, defensive backbone. Dave Cutler, the magic toe. Meet Montreal Alouette's Sonny Wade, two-time great cup quarterback. With Peter Dallariva, Mr. Goodhands plays best when it means the most. It's Grey Cup 77. Between the Edmonton Eskimos and the Montreal Alouettes. Brought to you by... Canadian Pacific, working for Canadians in resource development, manufacturing and transportation. KTEL International, specialists in household and leisure time products. A public transit strike had threatened to cripple this city. A blasting snowstorm just 24 hours ago had threatened to cripple this city. High winds and bitterly cold temperatures today had threatened to cripple this city. But as always, Montreal found a way. It's Olympic Stadium, Montreal. A Grey Cup record crowd found their way here. 70,000 strong for Canada's annual classic. And they came by train, by plane, by bus. Yes, and sometimes by cusp, by whatever means they could. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tom McKee. I'll be your host for this 1977 Classic from our Grey Cup studio. We'll be here at halftime and also with post-game festivities. Right now, I would like you to meet the broadcasters who will describe the action for you this afternoon. From the CTV network in the play-by-play -play of the first half of today's game, Pat Marsden, color commentary by Mike Wadsworth, the former All-Star Toronto Argonaut. And we'll have Bill Stevenson reporting from the Montreal Alouettes bench. From CBC, Don Chevrier in the second half, play-by-play. -play. Russ Jackson, the last man to quarterback a Grey Cup victor here in Montreal, will be the color commentator. And we will have Don Whitman reporting from the Edmonton bench. We also have Frank Rigney on hand, the former Shenley winner, and his telestrator with yet another viewpoint of the festivities on the field as far as the action is concerned this afternoon. Somewhere out there in that crowd of 70,000 people, Bill Stevenson and, Dan, and Don Whitman are standing by. So let's see if we can go out there and find them right now. Gentlemen? Because of the weather and transportation problems, you may notice a few empty seats this afternoon in Montreal's 70,000-seat Olympic Stadium, but all seats have been sold. 
Bill, it is a cold afternoon. Is it as cold as it was in 75 in Calgary? I think it's colder here than any Grey Cup I've been at, and I've been at the last 25 of them. And I think the two coldest prior to this were the one in Calgary and the one that took place in Ottawa, and that was back in 67. Yes, it's colder, and if we're going to give awards, we better give them to the fans, not the players, but the fans for just being here. Well, these fans deserve an awful lot of credit, and of course, the Westerners are used to this type of weather. They're bundled up against the elements. All sorts of paraphernalia has found its way into the Olympic Stadium in an effort to keep warm. There's something else I'd like to say, too. I'm uh, protesting against Marv Levy, the head coach. He pulled a Bud Grant, and he said no heaters on the Montreal Alouette side of the field. And they put them both over on the far side, which means with the Edmonton Eskimos. So you get the heaters, and I don't. Would you like to come over and visit me during the game? I'm going to be over there most of the game. Should be an exciting game, and the fans, of course, are going to respond. This is a very noisy stadium as well. Extremely noisy, and I'll tell you what the fans are going to do, and I think they'll all agree with me. They're going to be getting close today. Hey? I think they will be. Getting here has only been half the fun. For some folks, it may not have been any fun at all. But I guarantee it, during the course of this afternoon, they'll be having a lot of fun here in the Olympic Stadium. CFL 77 continues in a moment. Well, you've heard about the weather. The field has got ice on it, and that's Pat got to take a lot away from two great football teams. It's not the classic matchup we thought it might be, but after all, a great cup, you expect this kind of thing. Well, that's quite true, Don, and I think this much, that unfortunately the passing game might be affected because the quarterbacks will not have the opportunity of being able to plant themselves for the big throw. But the important thing is that it was a great year for the Edmonton Eskimos, great because they won the West and finished in first place with a lot of great ball players. Chevy, Let's meet them. At quarterback, the Eskimos are indeed solid. A pair of seasoned veterans led by Tom Wilkinson, who came back from off-season surgery and fought off a series of nagging injuries to throw 14 touchdown passes, completing just under 60% of his attempts. However, the Eskimos today will have Bruce Lemmerman as their starting quarterback. He led the team to the Western Final. Playing for three games with a cast in his throwing hand, Bruce hit up better than 53% of his passes and gave up only six interceptions in 16 league games. But Stu Lang was a most pleasant surprise. Pressed into service as a starter because of injuries, Lang hauled in 37 passes and was the Eskimos' key receiver in that 38-1 Western Final romp over the B.C. Lions. Jim Germany, with his peculiar stiff-legged style of running, gained 1,004 yards rushing and hauled in 46 passes, flaring out of the backfield to lead the team in pass reception. Germany is the key to the Eskimo ground game today. Dan Kepley, the outstanding defensive player in the CFL and one of the most exciting linebackers the league has ever seen. Kepley is constant motion and constant contact. The key to the Eskimos' season-ending six victories in a row. At defensive tackle, Dave Fennell. He led the Eskimos' front four at quarterback sacks. He's the strongest pass rusher physically and will prove a real handful for Ray Washburn across the line from him today. Larry Highbar with five interceptions, one for a touchdown, gives the Western champions a scoring threat every time he touches the ball. Highbar will run back punts and kickoffs, and you can look for him as a deep receiver on offense from time to time. 
Well, Don, there's no question about it. That's an impressive array, but the Alouettes have some pretty good ones, too. Well, Pat, as you know, they, for a while, had many believing they might go through a season unbeaten. They won seven straight, then Joe Barnes got hurt, finished up at 11-5, and yes, the Alouettes deserve to be in this great cup game. Pat looks at some of their highlights now. The man who pulled the Owls together offensively after their midseason injury crisis was Sonny Wade, the nine-year veteran who played the best football of his career in the last eight games of the season. If he holds a hot hand, there isn't a defense anywhere capable of negating it. But if he starts slowly, this young gentleman, Joe Barnes, who had a perfect 7-0 record before being felled by a shoulder injury, will get the call. He has confidence, the ability to roll out and throw on the run. The Owls don't lose anything if Barnes has to come in. Offensively, the Alouettes are not awesome, except in one department. Peter Dallariva may be the best all-around slot back in the league, and as usual, he led Montreal in pass receiving. Which brings us to the big man in the Owls' backfield, John O'Leary. He came to the club as a rookie from Nebraska and virtually battled his way onto the roster by hard work and sheer determination. But no running back gets anywhere unless the hole is there. And Dan Yoakum is considered the top lineman on the Alouette Club. At 6'5", 260, his size is enough to make most people back off. But make no mistake, defense is the Al's long suit. This man, Carl Trinnell, is the catalyst that made 1977 the year it's been for Montreal. But as a middle linebacker, he's fortunate. In this respect, he's got a sensational defensive line in front of him. Led by Glenn Weir. What a top-notch season he had with 20 sacks in 16 games. Dickie Harris may be the best cornerback in CFL history. He doesn't get many interceptions because most quarterbacks don't want to throw near him. On the opposite side of the field is a young man by the name of Vernon Perry. Because he was new, the opposition really tested him. And nine times he came up with the interception. Just some of the reasons why the Alouettes are favored in this ball game. Pat, two great football teams in a game that could be a toss-up here in a frozen field. I'm sure you'll agree. Right now, let's go down to Tom McKee at his warm, cozy studio. Tom? Well, Don, I certainly don't have to tell you or the people at home that the Grey Cup is probably the most unique sports championship in all the world. The Grey Cup is different. And that is the very same theme that has been chosen by those who are responsible for the pregame and halftime shows. Montreal is different, 1977. Right now, we are watching 300 young dancers from the Élèves de Ballet Moderne du Québec. And they are dancing with those helium balloons and the various flags. And eventually, those balloons will go skyward in sort of an official send-off of this 1977 game. This spectacle, by the way, is under the direction of Mr. Hugo Defoe. That is to say, Mr. Defoe, who was responsible for the opening and closing ceremonies of the 1976 Olympics. And it also gives you an idea right there of what that field is going to be like for the players. It's very cold. There's a lot of ice down there. They're going to have some fun. Right now, let us watch some of these opening ceremonies.
seems like we always have impressive ceremonies here at the Olympic Stadium. While festivities continue on the field, let's check in now with Frank Rigney and his telestrator. How does Frank and his telestrator feel about today's game coming up? Well, you've heard an awful lot about both defensive uh, ball clubs out there this afternoon, and for good reason. The Edmonton Eskimos are, of course, led by three Western All-Stars in that front four, and the Montreal Alouettes also have some great defensive people, and primarily because they can play many different positions. You'll see in this picture here that we have Marv Davis, number 66, back in a linebacker spot, and Carl Cornell, number 72, is also in that middle linebacking spot as well. Montreal has enough confidence in the front four and the front three sometimes that they can get to the passer. They do not feel that they have to rush four people at all times. Carl Cornell has such great ability to get to the outside, he can even contain a quarterback. But the Edmonton Eskimos really did a great job against the BC Lions in the Western Conference Final in terms of rushing the passer. They sacked quarterbacks Taggy and Keithy of the BC Lions 11 times, and the fellow that really led that charge was Ron Este, number 55. They, too, on many occasions were in a three-man line, and you'll see Este at the top of your screen come in completely untouched by the BC Lion offensive line. Ron Este had five sacks in the Western Final, and he should have a big afternoon this afternoon. So defenses are certainly the name of the game here this afternoon and turnovers. But now we're going back down to field level and Tom McKee. Okay, Frank, and with us still, the 300 young dancers of the Ballet Modern du Quebec. Let's watch them for just a moment more.
day and sky here in Montreal, the Grey Cup game is just around the corner. Yes, the impressive ceremonies continue. The music of Santana. Modern ballet continues. An impressive sight it indeed is. Activities out there in the field continue, but directly across the hall here in our Olympic Stadium, players are having a last moment with themselves, their own thoughts, what's going to happen when the football game kicks off. Here is Russ Jackson. Russ? I'm just outside the Edmonton dressing room a few minutes before kickoff, and certainly having been in this dressing room a few times, I understand that each player is more or less getting themselves ready by themselves. Certainly the quarterbacks, Bruce Lemmerman, who will be starting this ball game, and veteran Tom Wilkinson trying to collect their thoughts to go against probably one of the, one of the best defenses in the CFL this year. But talking defense, I, I have with me the most outstanding defensive player in the CFL in 1977, the middle linebacker for Edmonton, Dan Kepley. And Dan, just a few minutes before game time. What have you been doing to get ready for this particular game? Well, right now, the, the thing that we've done with Montreal and with uh, Edmonton, because we don't play them that much here, and uh, so we had a lot of uh, lot of film work to do this week and a lot of good, intense practice. And uh, right now, it's uh, just total concentration in there of every man going over his job and his assignment, so he won't make a you know a, a silly, stupid uh, middle error out there. Dan, you've watched a lot of film this week, as you say, against the Alouettes. What do you think you have to take away from the Alouette offense to be successful this afternoon? Well, right now, they you know they are you know, really two different styles of offense. They have their Sunny Wade type style. It's a drop back pocket passer, and then uh, you know when Joe Barnes comes in there, it tends, goes, tends to alter a little bit. So we're going to have to change our defenses uh, to whoever is the quarterback for the day. Do you think that your front four can do the job and get to Sonny Wade because he does like to throw that ball? Well, I have uh, very much confidence in him. I, you know, I wasn't really sure about how well they could play against BC, and they ended up getting 11 sacks. And so I feel that uh, they still have a lot of momentum. Uh, we haven't let down any at all uh, this week emotionally. Uh, if anything, we picked up some, and I think uh, that's going to be something because this game does really mean a lot to the ball first. What about the linebackers? Are you going to come a little bit, or are you going to blitz him a little bit and uh, make him throw that ball a little quicker than you well, I think Well, I think we're right now we're just going to take what he'll give us. And, uh, you know, if he's going to give us a, a few blitzes every now and then, if we're not getting enough heat on him with the front line, then we might have to bring a few linebackers every now and then and then mix up between uh, zone coverage and man coverage okay dan uh, thanks for talking with us shortly before the game and good luck this afternoon thank you Russ. this is mike wadsworth just minutes away from the opening kickoff and i'm outside the montreal alouette dressing room two players glenn weir and peter della riva who helped this club become the most successful in the canadian football league this season with 11 victories this club the most successful alouette team in more than 20 years they beat the Edmonton Eskimos 25-20 earlier this season in Edmonton. But if they do not win today's contest, all of these accomplishments will fade with the lingering memories of the 1977 season. With me right now is the veteran quarterback of the Montreal Alouettes, Sonny Wade. And Sonny, your defensive unit has received wide acclaim, but I want to know uh, what you think you're going to have to do offensively to win this afternoon. Well, Mike, uh, basically, we're not going to do anything different than we've done all year. Uh, they're, they're a sound ball team. They don't really have any 
weaknesses on their defense. Nobody we can pick on or, or say we can't run a we're going to go into the game plan of running a sweep to the right. We just can't do that. We're just going to have to go in and see what uh, we can establish and go from there. You talk about strong defensive units. The Edmonton Eskimos, of course, have one. Do you see a particular strength in that defensive alignment? Well, uh, you know, their, their front four, I guess, probably uh, got the nickname Alberta Crude, I understand. And uh, they, they put a tremendous pass rush on, on, uh, on the passer. And, you know, I, I'm just going to have to rely on our offensive line. They've done a real good job all year. And I think uh, you know we'll be ready for anything they want to throw at us. Middle linebacker Dan Kepley of the Eskimos has suggested that uh, if they have to, they may come with the blitz. Do you feel that you yourself have seen enough film of this club that you're going to be able to read that blitz and possibly audible out of it? Well, you know we've had several teams in the past try to you know put a lot of pressure on us by blitzing. A lot of times, if a team gets behind, they'll try to compensate and make a big play. They'll use man-to-man -man defense and blitz with their linebackers. But uh, like I said, our offensive line, they've been doing a real good job. And when they can pick up, you know, the blitz like this, this puts us at a real advantage. And, uh, you know, we'll have single coverage downfield and maybe we'll be able to pick out a man deep. Well, Sonny, good luck this afternoon. Thank you. This is Mike Wadsworth outside the Montreal Alibi dressing room from Olympic Stadium. Statistics of the regular season show that without doubt, the Montreal Alouettes were the best team in the entire CFL. They were undefeated in their first seven games, and they held on to that lead right through to the end. Ladies and gentlemen, to introduce themselves, here are the Eastern Conference champions, the Montreal Alouettes. Neil Payne, field judge. Stand by officials, officiel auxiliaire, les numéros 26 et 20, Monsieur Don Barker. Well, I think the Eastern team is maybe as nervous as many of the rest of us here in the stadium. Let's meet them now, gentlemen. The starting offensive line. Le bloqueur droit at right tackle, le numéro 55, number 55, Barry Randall. Le garde à droite at right guard, le numéro 50, number 50, Pat. Left offensive tackle, number 67, from Syracuse University. Ray Watson, offensive guard, High River, Alberta. Doug Smith, offensive center, Rockton, Ontario, Wolford Laurier University. Pat Bonner, offensive guard. Idaho State University from Montreal, Quebec. Barry Randall, I'm an offensive tackle from Dorothy, Alberta. Bob Geddes, wide receiver, Mississippi Valley State University. Jerry DeToyo, wide receiver, University of Northern Colorado. Larry Smith, slot back, Bishop University. Peter Del Rico, wing back, Hamilton, Ontario. Harris Belton, running back, Southeastern Louisiana. John O'Leary, running back, University of Nebraska. Sonny Wade, quarterback, Martinsville, Virginia. I'm Cal Murphy, offensive line coach, Montreal Alouettes. Larry Pasquale, assistant football coach, Montreal Alouettes. Dick Roach, defensive coach, Montreal Alouettes. Gene Gaines, defensive secondary coach, Montreal Alouettes. I'm Marv Levy, head coach of the Montreal Alouettes. 
Well, while the Alouettes enjoyed a cushion of those early victories on their way to a conference championship, the Edmonton Eskimos had a dogfight right down to the end, finishing in a three-way tie for first place. They had home field, as you know, just a week ago in beating the B.C. Lions in that Western final. Meet the 1977 Western Conference champions, Edmonton Eskimos. David Boone, defensive end from Detroit, Michigan. Wild Bill Stevenson, defensive tackle from Edmonton, Alberta. Dave Fennell, defensive tackle, Edmonton, Alberta. Ron Este, defensive end from Sot Lafourche, Louisiana. Dale Potter, outside linebacker, University of Ottawa. Dan Kepley, middle linebacker, East Carolina University. Tom Towns, right outside linebacker, University of Alberta. My name is Larry Highball. I'm a right cornerback. Uh, my hometown in Annapolis, Indiana. My home right now is Sherwood Park, Alberta. Greg Butler, right halfback, Howard University from Washington, D.C. My name is Ed Jones. I'm a defensive halfback from Native Sink, New Jersey. Joe Holloman, left cornerback, Jonesboro, Arkansas. Pete Lavarado, safety, Utah State University. Hey, Leo McKillop, defensive uh, secondary coach, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Joe Farigali, offensive line, Edmonton, Alberta. Don Matthews, defensive line coach, Edmonton, Alberta. Hugh Campbell, head coach, Edmonton, Alberta. And so, we have met the CFL champions, the Edmonton Eskimos, the Montreal Alouettes. But there's another team on the field today, another team without which there wouldn't or maybe couldn't be a game at all. And like the players, they are the best in their line of work, too. Here are the CFL officials assigned to this year's Grey Cup game. Neil Payne, field judge from Winnipeg. Bob Bryan, head linesman, Ottawa. Lauren Woods, back umpire from Ottawa. Jim Lysak, line umpire from Regina. Bill Dell, referee, Oshawa. Don Barker, standby from Vancouver. Jacques Ducati, standby official, I'm from Montreal. Okay, we're ready now with those officials doing their work on the field. The coin toss, the offensive captains from Montreal, Sonny Wade and Barry Randall. The defensive captains are Carl Cornell and Dickie Harris. The offensive captains from Edmonton, Tom Wilkinson, the quarterback. The center, number 53, Bob Howes. And the defensive captains, Dan Kepley and Larry Highball. So Edmonton will be kicking, Montreal will be receiving, and I guess in this stadium it doesn't really matter which end you happen to defend. Montreal, incidentally, is officially listed as the visiting team for this year's Grey Cup. Now, let's go up to the broadcast booth. Pat Marsden. Well, Mike, as we sit here in the broadcast booth, I'm interested uh, in your thoughts about the strategy that we've just seen here. The Eskimos, with a tremendous offense, have elected to kick off to Montreal, noted for their defense. I would have thought it would have been the other way around, that Edmonton would want the ball. I think very simply, Pat, it's the matter of field conditions. The Eskimos wanted the end to our right from the broadcast booth because of the... Uh, 
field itself, because of the combination of the freezing and the artificial element, that's very difficult to get your footing going one way. They've taken the, the end that is most advantageous to the footing, and they hope that they'll be able to destroy Montreal with their defense early and then take advantage of that and get some points on the board. So I think really that's what it is. It's a matter of the inclement weather and the field conditions. Well, you know, a lot of people have suggested in the past that this will be a very low-scoring game. Do you concur? I think there could be a lot of mistakes because of those field conditions and some points as a result. Well, I think it's going to be a very close game one way or the other. You can rest assured that right now we want to go down to field level for the singing of our national anthem by Roger Doucet. The kickoff for Grey Cup 77 in just a moment. We are set to go with 70,000 fans extremely excited, and why not? The two best teams in the Canadian Football League are set to take a go at each other. The Edmonton Eskimos, if you have just joined us, won the toss of the coin, and they have elected to kick off to the Alouettes, who will send deep number 10, Ian Moss. Number 21, Randy Rhino, and number 35, Horace Belt. Speed of plenty, and listen to the crowd, they're ready too. This is Rhino from his five. And dives his way through about the 28-yard line. That is where the Montreal Alouette offensive unit will put it into play as David Boone was down very quickly to trip up the Montreal kickoff returner. It was a 65-yard boot, Mike, and a good return. Here's a look at David Boone. You'll see the treacherous field conditions as well. He eludes that one block very smartly, comes into the play. Tremendous work by this fine defensive end. He's actually the one who upset Rhino, but very treacherous footing on that field. Well, you notice that treacherous field as Horace Belton gets out from the 28 to about the 31. Ron Este, number 55, the right defensive end, along with Dave Fennell, 65, there to make the stop. The game is about four yards. It'll be second and six Montreal who line up this way. John O'Leary, number 30, Horace Belton, 35, are the two setbacks. Larry Smith, 36, and Peter Dallariva, 74, are the wingbacks. Wade dropped the ball. Montreal gets it back. Wade himself able to fall on the pigskin. 
Bill Stevenson was there to cover him. Number 62, the defensive tackle of the Eskimos. So, as we suggested off the top, field conditions will be a factor. We've noticed it on the first two plays. And I'll tell you this, Edmonton defense give them a tremendous amount of credit. A lot of people have suggested the Alouettes are the top defense in the country because they've allowed fewest points. No defense has allowed fewer yards than the Edmonton Eskimos, and they're not giving much up to Montreal in the early going. Sonny Wade stands inside his 15-yard line for the first punt of the ball game to either Highbaugh or Butler. High, not too deep. Butler to his own 40-yard line and is pinned at that point. Down very quickly was Gary Chow, number 26. The punt of 46 yards was covered extremely well by that Alouette unit, and the return was just two. So we'll set up that Edmonton offensive alignment for you as you look at the Montreal sidelines. Gary Chow, the man who was down quickly, number 26 standing there, but Bruce Lemmerman comes out to direct the Edmonton offense with Strickland and Germany, 31 and 25 respectively, in motion. Lemmerman throws, no good for Warrington, got his hands on it but couldn't squeeze it. Chuck Zapak was over there, covering on the play. Sonny Wade on the Montreal sidelines, and Marv Levy has suggested he wants to go most of the way with Wade, but he has no hesitation. If he doesn't get it moving, Joe Barnes will be there. Well, Lemmerman obviously aware of that Montreal rush. He was just trying to hit quickly to Warrington, but good job by Zapek falling off of, from his linebacking spot. Second and 10, Edmonton from their 41-yard line. Lemmerman puts it up for Stu Lang, and it's picked off by Perry. And Vern Perry, as he did nine times this year, grabs the interception for Montreal. The Alouettes have the ball in Edmonton territory at the Eskimo 46. The Alouettes lined up defensively, gave the appearance as if they were going to blitz. Lemmerman in his drop seemed to be very conscious of it, tried to read man-to-man and just lofted that ball to the intended receiver, but not even close to him. Good job by Perry, just hanging out into the deep flat. First down, Alouettes. The ball at the Eskimo 46. Slipping down was Horace Belton on the little makeup call. Wade throws incomplete. And Frank Regney, let's take a look at that. Well, Pat, we had some real problems with the machine right there, but we had great pressure by Dan Kepley coming up the middle on Sonny Wade, making him hurry that throw. You know, I find, Frank and Pat, that the field conditions are not only bothering their running backs, bothering their quarterbacks an awful lot in trying to set up. They just don't seem to have good, firm stands when they try to release the ball. As a result, we're getting quite a few balls thrown over the heads of the intended receivers. It is second and ten, Montreal from the Edmonton 46 wing. Looking for Dallas, it's picked off by Holloman. Well, we expected the defenses to be prominent. Bob Gaddis was just trying to find an open area. Holloman laying back. There was the quarterback overthrowing the intended receiver once again. I still feel field conditions are responsible for an awful lot of this. But nonetheless, a very alert defensive play by Joe Holloman. So it is a first down. Eskimos at their 35-yard line. 
Jekyll gets out over the 35 to about the 38. His gain will be three as Marvin Davis, number 66, was there to haul him down for the Alouettes. So the gain is four, make it second and six for the Eskimos, and we are still looking for our initial first down of this ball game. A couple of early turnovers, both on pass thrown by the offensive unit that were picked off, and there was another one very close to doing the same was Dickie Harris as Lemmerman was looking for John Konohowski. Tell you, that's a dangerous area. Dickie Harris, one of the great quarterbacks. He's only had three interceptions this year, but that's because they don't threaten him too much. They just don't go in that area. Marv Levy, what a job he did with the Alouettes. They won 11 games this year. That's the best record since 1954. Dickie Harris and Randy Rhino drop back to receive this punt from Hank Elisic on third and 10 Estimates. And he just got it away. Good punt, though. This is Rhino, and he is down immediately at the Montreal 35-yard line by Tom Towns, a 38-yard boot by Alyssa with zero return. Well, we don't have any score. We're just underway in the opening quarter of Grey Cup 77. Willie Martin of the Eskimos had his fingers badly frostbitten in the playoff final against BC. Willie, how are they today? Oh, Don, I tell you, it's a little cold. They feel a little sting in them, but I'm going to try to keep them warm. They're just a little sore. I think I can make it. How's the footing out there? Oh, it's very slippery. Very slippery. It's sheets of ice on the field, but I think, uh, you know, just the best team to know how to skate going to win the game, look like it. Let's go back upstairs to Pat. Well, thank you, Don. The game by Horace Belton was a couple of yards at best. Dan Kepley and Bill Stevenson were there as the Alouettes try to establish some kind of a running game. That has been their forte all season. Get the running game going early, and that sets up the passing opportunities for Sonny Wade. Wade over the middle, no good. The pass was intended for Larry Smith. The coverage was by Ed Jones, the inside uh, safety. We talk so much about the front four, but tremendous secondaries on each plug. Butler, number 28 for the Edmonton Eskimos. A tremendous job against Larry Smith. So on third and eight, Sonny Wade drops back inside his 25-yard line to do some punting for the Alouettes. And still, we look for our initial first down of the ball game. As usual, it is high, and it is deep to Butler at his 25. And Butler is down there, covered by Carl Grinnell at about the 27-yard line. A 47-yard boot by Sonny Wade, just a two-yard return. Mike, we're talking about that footing out on the field today. Uh, I always thought it favored the defensive linemen. The offensive linemen are a bit of a disadvantage trying to get off the football. What do you think is a you offensive player? You offensive people are always talking about edges that the others had. As a matter of fact, I think it takes away from the defense, Frank, because you don't get that quick start that a defensive lineman needs. I never had it, mind you, but the good one does. <laughs> it is first down Eskimos from the Edmonton 28. Lemmerman throws complete to Stu Lang. Lang is out, drops the ball. Montreal recovers at the 35-yard line. Wally Buono, 39, makes the recovery for the Alouettes. Well, I'd like to take a look at it again because it looked to me as if he may have been down. There's Lang. No, no 
no question about it. He lost control before he was down. The official was on on a good call. Another big break. This is a game of breaks so far, but neither club has been able to capitalize on them. On this occasion, however, Pat, the Alouettes are certainly pretty deep in Edmonton territory. As a matter of fact, that the Eskimo 36-yard line with a first down. The fake is the Belton. Wade on the move. Flags are down. And Wade is into the 20-yard line. He will have a first down depending on the result of that flag. I think that was an attempted screen to the outside. They faked the draw to Belton up the middle, and Dan Kepley stayed right with Belton. Great defense by Kepley once again. Here's a look at it right now. We'll be able to see. There's Belton. Kepley moving off to the left, Frank. No question. A good pickup defensively. But that flag appears to have gone against the Eskimos. As a matter of fact, it was holding against Dale Potter, declined by the Alouettes. And why not? Sonny Wade grabbed 17 yards. Montreal has the first down at the Edmonton 20. No score with 8.45 left in the opening quarter. Wade puts it up for John O'Leary. And O'Leary does not get into the end zone. Stopped right at the goal area by Dale Potter, number 30. Outstanding pass by Sonny Wade. O'Leary with the flood to the right side, working against the zone, is able to get a jump on the defender. But a perfectly thrown ball by Sonny Wade allows him to haul it in and take it very close to that goal area. They'll be on the one. First and touchdown to go, Montreal. No score in the ball game. Does he go to O'Leary as he's done so often? The ball is fumbled. Edmonton recovers. turn of events it's got to take a little bit out of you but we'll take another look to see whether or not Sonny Wade really got a good hold on it he didn't he never really got a good pass from center whether it was Doug Smith or Sonny Wade I don't know and it doesn't really matter much right now because the Eskimos have possession but Wade never really got a good exchange with Doug Smith what does matter though is that the Eskimos are deep in their own territory on the one yard line they do have the football however and this is Strickland Strickland fights his way to about the three or four yard line to give them a little bit of rushing room. Glenn Weir stacked it up, number 64, the outstanding defensive player in the Eastern Conference. He contains Howard Strickland to a three yard advance. It'll be second and seven, Edmonton. We've got seven minutes and 35 seconds left to play in this opening quarter, and it is still scoreless. Lemmerman's going to put it up and deep for Konohowski. And he does not make the catch up around the 45-yard line. Vern Perry was the cornerback on that side, number 37. He already has I'll tell you, Perry, one today. Sorry, Pat. Vern Perry showed good speed on that one because Konohowski, in running that sideline pattern, at one stage appeared to be breaking away on him. That's why Bruce Lemmerman looked at Konohowski that left sideline. Perry just turned on the Jets somehow in that slippery field, got right back into the play and got a hand on the ball. Tremendous defensive effort by this young rookie who's really been impressive all season. Speaking of young rookies, the gentleman is 18 years old. His name is Hank Alisic, and there's a little pressure on him right now. End over end. And it goes out of bounds 
deep in Edmonton territory. Let's see where they mark it. About the 38-yard line, and Grey Cup 77 continues in just a moment. Well, I just uh, finished talking to Sonny Wade, and Sonny tells me that what happened out there was simply this. He said the ball is so slippery, the center can't even get the ball up to him. So he said he can't. He didn't even touch the ball on that last fumble. Okay, Pat. First down, Montreal at the Edmonton 38. Again, Wade drops the ball. A flag goes down. The Eskimos have recovered. But let's see what the flag is about. The Montreal defensive unit comes out onto the field. I'm sure it'll be a procedure call against the Alouettes. There it is. Illegal procedure. The call against Montreal, of course, declined. Bill Stevenson recovering the ball for the Eskimos. There's another look at it. Again, the bad exchange. Five turnovers now in just a little more than seven minutes of football. We knew there were going to be mistakes. There had to be in these weather conditions or more properly stated field conditions. Well, it's first down Edmonton at the Eskimo 40. Lemmerman puts it in the air, way over the head of the intended receiver, John Kotowski. And again, it was Vern Perry providing the defensive coverage. As you see now, the Eskimos changing footwear. They'll try anything, of course, to see if they can get some... Ron Este, you're watching right now, changing his footwear. See if they can get some grip on this field, which literally is like a skating rink. Well, you recall that the Eskimos took this end in the first quarter because they felt they'd have better traction. It appears to me that they're trying to take advantage of it by relying quite heavily on the passing game and trying to break somebody deep. Lemmerman gets it away. Flag goes down as Dickie Harris makes the interception for the Alouette. That's going to be offensive interference against George McGowan. That was the intended receiver. Dickie Harris had him played well. Thanks to Kenny Nielsen. We have a good look right now at George McGowan trying to get open. Dickie Harris had it all the way. Certainly there couldn't have been any interference on that. Well, that's a now. Excuse me, Pat, from our end zone camera. Lemmerman not really under a lot of pressure, but Harris, a dangerous man to work against, and he was equal to it. The ball is right at midfield. First down, Alouettes. Wade goes. The catch is made by Gaddis for the first down inside the 30-yard line. And he's drilled to the turf by Dan Kepler. Well, that tells you something about Kepley's range, anyway. I'm not sure that it should have been 27 yards back. <laughs> well, a good distribution of receivers. Larry Smith was short on that same sideline. Gaddis a little deeper, and they just split that defensive secondary of the Eskimos. Joe Holloman not able to take Gaddis down the first time, but he's finally brought up the sidelines. Wayne Conrad is now in at center after the difficult time that Wade was having in the exchange from Doug Smith. The ball is at the Edmonton 28. First down, Montreal. This is O'Leary. Well, you saw some of his power as he gets inside the 25 to about the 22. Tom Towns was there to make the stop for the Eskimos. Still no score with five minutes and 20 seconds left to play in this opening quarter. They put the ball down at about the 22-yard line, so it is a gain of five. It is second and five, Montreal. And again, this is O'Leary. 
He will not have a first down, but he is directly in front of the post. Now, let's see if they'll take the gamble. No, obviously, well, it's closer than we may have anticipated. Both running plays, oddly enough, running at Ron Este and Dave Fennell, but I'm sure it's not a matter of the Alouettes feeling they can run against those two men. I think it's more a matter of their confidence they've always placed in their left offensive tackle, Dan Yoakum. And what a matchup that's going to be all afternoon. Ron Este and Dan Yoakum. Well, they're about a half yard short, and they are going to go for it. Hearts pound across Canada as the Alouettes will gamble for the first down in around the Eskimo 18-yard line. And more of a gamble than normally because this is a day when you don't expect a lot of points to be scored, so every three will be critical. O'Leary is the ball carrier, and O'Leary has the first down. See if we can take a look at Dan Kepley, the outstanding middle linebacker in Canada, the outstanding defensive player in the country. No one really picked him up. He got over to limit O'Leary's gain, but it appeared to me as if he had enough once again following in behind the block of Dan Yoakum. Mike, I thought your comment was certainly appropriate in terms of the gamble. Also, the gamble was uh, multiplied by the fact that they've had such a trouble, uh, problem with the center snap. They fumbled it two or three times already today. Lost the ball twice. Man, I'll tell you, Marv Levy is normally a very conservative man. Maybe he feels a little looser today than normal. I don't know. Well, it worked out for him so far. It is first down, Montreal at the Edmonton 16. Wade puts it in the end zone, looking for Dalariba. It was over his head. One of the reasons it was a little overthrown was the outstanding coverage by number 24, Jones. Just a tremendous job covering Peter Dalariba. Dalariba, a very dangerous receiver for the Alouettes all season long, and particularly so when you get into Peter. He's a money player. He will take. Take a look at Peter Dalariva running from his inside slot back position. There's the coverage by Jones. Not too much of an edge there at all. So it'll be second and ten. Alouettes at the Edmonton 16. Into the middle for Horace Belton. Belton is snowed under at about the nine-yard line. He'll be well short of the first down. We can look for Don Sweet. You'll see with our end zone camera that Belton, when he initially gets the pass, has some running room. Because of field conditions, he loses the quick start. That allows the defense to gather and limit his gain. But the quick start has been taken away from the backs and the receivers, and that's going to certainly reduce the amount of offense we could expect to see. Well, we've got three minutes and 40 seconds left to play in this opening quarter. As the Alouettes will try the field goal with Don Sweet to put it up from about the 17-yard line. Jerry DeTilio will hold. Sweet puts it up, and it's good. Well, because of the cold weather, it's not only affecting the field, but it's also affecting the telestrator. What's happening, Rich? Well, Pat, I think uh, the, the telestrator has gone down for us, hopefully just temporarily, but it froze up a little quicker than we did. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 3-0 ball game. The Alouettes out in front. Three points 
normally speaking, isn't very many, but I'm sure that the Alouettes are grateful for them at this point. One thing, I haven't really noticed a tremendous difference from one end to the other in terms of which direction the players are going. Field conditions seem to be equally bad. Well, let's go to Don Whitman. Ron Essay, you were trying uh, different cleats. You tried a broom ball shoe. Now you're going back to your regular cleats. Is it still a problem? Yeah, I don't think anything you try is still going to slip. It's just, it's, uh, they put uh, salt on there, and uh, it's melting and turning to ice all the time. Okay, Ron, back upstairs to pass. Strickland gets very close to first down territory up around the 45-yard line. The Eskimos still looking for their initial first down. They'll be very close to it right now. Well, it's a 3-0 ball game in favor of the Alouettes. And Great Cup 77 will continue in a moment. Well, the Montreal Alouettes don't have the big heating effect behind them. In other words, the heat ducts and the heating uh, units are all over at the Evident bench. But they have this quick heat, which I'm holding in my hand. They're using it on their hands. Don Sweet is using it, as a matter of fact, on his kicking feet before he goes out and kicks. And this is all they have. It's not very warm, but that's what it is. Okay, Pat? Well, there's a look at this magnificent structure, and it is jam-packed with 70,000 as the Eskimos look for their first first down. A bit of a mix-up there as Lammerman looked for the back to come through the hole, was left with the ball himself, but may have been able to pick up the necessary yardage and did. The Eskimos get a first down. The ball is spotted just outside their 45-yard line. Well, millions of people across Canada are watching this game. And I know there's a group up in Wilcox, Saskatchewan at Notre Dame College pretty interested. And one little guy that's very close to me, Mike, I say hello and hope you're enjoying things. Procedure call appears to be the case against the Eskimos. It appears to me that Lemmerman may have drawn back from the center, Bob Howes, and that may be the purpose for the flag. Procedure against the Eskimos. And contact was made, of course. So it'll be a five-yard penalty, first and 15. What do you do if you're a quarterback and you get that big inside pressure? That's what we wanted to know when we spoke with Bruce Lemmerman. It's going to be important for us as quarterbacks to recognize that defense, then to audible to plays, which will give our backs a chance to move inside to pick up their blitzes in order for us to throw the ball downfield against their one-on-one -on -one pass coverage. Jim Germany with his first carry of the ball game gets about four yards. It'll be second and 11 Eskimos as Carl Quinnell, the middle linebacker, was there to fill and bring down the Edmonton ball carrier. A minute and 42 seconds left to play in this opening quarter where we've had six turnovers already. And the Eskimos, or rather the Alouettes, have the only points leading at 3 nothing. Lemmerman, the pass is complete to McGowan, knocked out by Byrne Perry, and a flag comes down at the 53-yard line, so the 15-yard penalty will give the Eskimos another first down. George McGowan in isolation, a little bend up to the sideline, Perry giving him the room in the slippery field. 
He's inbounds here. You can see clearly Perry came up, gave him the extra shove out of the field to play, and that was the reason for the flag. You certainly can't dispute it. because of the slippery conditions. Well, he didn't appear to be grabbing on to George McGowan when I saw him so bad. There seemed to be a little bit of a, an extended arm there. The penalty moves the ball to the Montreal 42, first down Eskimo. but you can rest assured that he will be throughout the course of this ball game. Great Cup 77 continues with the Alouettes out in front, 3-0. That's the end of the first quarter. We'll be back for the second 15 minutes in a moment. to the everyday things that end up being everything. Here's to all things simple with casual clothing and footwear from Marks. Well, we are set to go for quarter number two as the Montreal Alouettes have a three to nothing advantage over the Eskimos in an air-filled first quarter because of the weather conditions here at the Olympic Stadium. Seven turnovers, the Eskimos committed four of them. 
The Alouettes three, obviously, and Montreal was able to capitalize on one of them. It is second and five, Montreal. As the toss goes to Larry Smith, back to Sonny Wade. He tried to make a one-handed grab, but wasn't able to do so. You know, I was talking about Larry Highbaugh. A lot of people suggested that maybe he wasn't as fast as everybody had suggested. No, you don't. Blink your eyes. I know you won't. <laughs> well, I guess that's a fact. If you do blink, you'd miss him because he is quick. He's been known to run them all the way back. If Don Sweet isn't good from about 38, he may have the chance here. As Mike has mentioned, it is a 38-yard field goal try by Don Sweet. success he's had in the week prior to the game of course analysts across the country were comparing the two teams many gave the edge to the Edmonton Eskimos because of number 26 Dave Cutler their outstanding kicker but Dave Cutler just hasn't had the chance to put his foot into the ball to this point of the game as a matter of fact virtually the entire first quarter was played in Edmonton's end of the field when they finally did get into Montreal territory Strickland fumbled we're recovered and that set up the opportunity for Sweet's second field goal try. It's a 6-0 count in favor of the Alouettes, who won 11 and lost 5 during the regular campaign. Edmonton was 10-6 to tie with BC and Winnipeg in that tremendous race in the Western Conference. And you know, Pat, the Alouettes, three of their five losses were to the Toronto Argonauts, one of the stronger defensive teams in the country, although very unsuccessful offensively. I mention it only because they're up against the Eskimos, noted for their defense, and I wondered if that was going to present them with great problems. But because of the unusual conditions that both teams face, the Alouettes have been able to take advantage of some of those errors, those turnovers, and have moved the ball against this defense. Well, let's see now if the Eskimos can move the ball. They send deep Larry Highbaugh and Joe Holloman awaiting the kickoff from Don Sweet. He puts it high, not too deep, to Angelo Santucci at his 28. And Santucci dives his way through to about the 44-yard line as Gabriel Gregoire was down to upend him. It was a 58-yard kickoff by Sweet, a 14-yard return by the former Hamilton Ticat, Angelo Santucci. So the Eskimos now have a first down. The ball is located at the Edmonton 44-yard line. As you see the Edmonton bench, and I don't think I've ever seen a club come into a Grey Cup game higher than the Eskimos were for this one. Germany slipped, finally did get the ball and is stacked up. As Chuck Zapek, along with Glenn Weir, were there to converge on him. But it was the, the lack of footing suffered by Germany that really negated that play. They're certainly in a bad spot. You can see looking at the alignment, a number of people, the offensive linemen, the wide receivers, as well as Germany, all of them on that Edmonton side, having difficulty getting any gripping on this surface. It is second and ten, Eskimos, just inside their 45. Lemmerman and is picked off by the Alouettes at the 45-yard line. 
quarterbacks were having some difficulties setting up well, and they were overthrowing the receivers. This is really what happened to Bruce Lemmerman once again. But he's throwing into an awfully tough secondary. The Alouettes in the regular season picked off 32 passes from the opposition, and a lot of that is attributable to the fact that their front four has put so much pressure on the quarterback. So Montreal takes over at its 45, trying to set up the screen as Wade. Jumping high in the air was Este, and probably distracted Felton from his concentration. Mike, I'm a little surprised that uh, they, they went with a screen there because the Edmonton Eskimos really haven't had that much pressure on quarterback Sonny Wade so far. I think that's really been the key to this ballgame to this point. I think the defensive linemen, really, as we were talking, Frank, are, are forced to uh, taking a slower rush. Ron Este picked up the screen, and he just fell right off and was in perfect position. He very nearly intercepted that ball. I mean, I'm going to have to admit you were right. Eh? Well, uh, I don't <laughs> want to say it, Frank, but if you will, I'll be fine. It's second and ten, Alouette. Wade throwing out for Belton. No good. Dan Kepley over covering Belton, the release man on that pass. But it does show you that Kepley is just all over the field. He's got fantastic range. There's no question as to why it was this man was one of the outstanding defensive football player in the country. He's not only a hitter, he's got great range. When you talk about outstanding, watch the height that Sonny Wade puts on his punts. Butler and Highbaugh back awaiting this third and ten punt from Wade. This one is not too high, I wouldn't know it. And this is Butler. He was clotheslined by Vern Perry, but still, because of his early start, was able to get out. To the Eskimo 43 yard line. Six nothing. Alouettes are leading in this Great Cup 77 contest. Tom Wilkinson has come in to direct the Edmonton offensive attack in release of in relief of Bruce Lemmerman. On the year, Wilkinson was very close to 60% in passing, had 14 touchdown passes, 11 interceptions. But Dewey Campbell doesn't waste any time. Lemmerman couldn't get it moving. Wilkinson will try his hand as the Eskimos take over at their 43-yard line. He's been called the heart of the Eskimos. We'll see if he can get them motivated. The screen is set up for Germany. And he's forced out of bounds at about the 42-yard line by Dickie Harris. And that's close to the original line of scrimmage. Those defenses just doing a good job of reading. The Alouettes really not uh, taken downfield with any other receivers. They were in perfect position to react up in that screen. So there's no gain. It is second and ten, Edmonton. We've got 11 minutes, 20 seconds left in the first half. The Alouettes lead at 6-0. Flag goes down. It appeared to be early motion by Edmonton. The pass was caught out of bounds by Stu Lang, very close to the first down marker. But we'll wait for referee Bill Dell's decision, and I'm sure okay. it'll be a procedure call against the Eskimos. Preliminary indication, and maybe against Stu Lang, who seemed to start a little early. Montreal will, of course, decline the penalty. That will bring Hank Alisic into the ball game to punt on third and ten. Dickie Harris and Randy Rhino will drop back as Bill Dell explains the options to Carl Grinnell, the defensive captain of the Alouettes. 
It's unfortunate that we had the snowfall 24 hours ago because the field was in excellent condition. Now, you heard the call from referee Brodell. Let's go down right now to Bill Stevenson. Well, I've got Brock Ainsley with me, and Brock, I'd like to know about one thing. What is happening uh, out on that field with the ball handling? Well, the biggest thing is right now, they've yesterday put a chemical on the field, and it's some kind of uh, acid solution, and it's making the guys who have to put their hands on the line extremely slippery. So when they touch the ball, and the balls are all new balls, the ball is just sort of slipping out of their hands when they go to squeeze it. And uh, besides that, the guys are having a hell of a hard time with their footing. They're breaking down before, and they have to give everything away before they make their cuts. Thank you very much, receiver Brock Ainsley of Montreal Alouettes, out with a knee operation. Not bad. Chuck Zapek came very close to blocking that as Dickie Harris takes it at his 33. And Harris gets up to about the 43-yard line, forced out there by Ian Bryant, number 34. There's no question about the comments of Brock Ainsley. We've seen the difficulty that the players are having in terms of the turnovers. But it's, the fact remains, though, Pat, that the Alouettes have had some success offensively. The Edmonton Eskimos really have not been able to get things going. Here's a close look at Angelo Santucci, though. He's done a great job for the Eskimos, filling in in so many positions and on his specialty team. Horace Belton drops the ball. The Eskimos recover. Dan Kepley with the recovery for the Eskimos on the eighth turnover of the ball game. Well, this is, I've been giving some credit to the Alouettes for being able to accomplish some things offensively. The turnovers start to afflict them. And the Eskimos now under Tommy Wilkinson in a position to put some points on the board. Well, that's the ninth turnover as opposed to the eighth. And what it does is give Edmonton good field position at the Montreal 51-yard line with Tom Wilkinson at quarterback. through it, a submarine ball looking for Stu Lang. Wally Bono was right in for the face mask of Tom Wilkinson as we take a look at the Prime Minister and Commissioner Jake Goddard beside him. Offside against Glenn Weir, 64 of the Alouettes. So the five-yard penalty is accepted by Edmonton. It is first and five Eskimos at the Montreal 45-and-a-half-yard line. Six-nothing, the Alouettes out in front with ten minutes left in the first half. Germany is grabbed by Junior Ayu right at the line of scrimmage. He may have fallen forward for a gain of one. Germany very nearly dropped the ball. Tremendous work by the big defensive end. IU having been plagued with injuries throughout the season, doesn't feel that he had as good a year as he would like to have had. And what really wanted to make up for it in this football game, because with the layoff that they had had prior to the Eastern Final, a lot of those bumps and bruises mended, and he feels ready to play this afternoon. It is second and five. Eskimos, Wilkinson drops the ball. Montreal recovers at the 46 for the 10th turnover of the game. Gore judges with the recovery. 
Hasidic turnover by the Eskimos. Troy Pat, we've seen the quarterbacks having problems with the exchange in the center. You see now the remarks by Brock Ainsley proving to be so true. Obviously, the ball, when it's coming up from the center, has that solution on it, makes it most difficult to handle. First down, Alouette. Wade for O'Leary. No good. Knocked down by Ed Jones, but Mike. There's a flag down in the offensive backfield. Appears to be a holding call against the Alouettes, but Wade is throwing the ball with a little zip on it. He's got some strength in behind him. Barry Randall, I think, was doing a bit of a dance with David Boone, but here's a look at John O'Leary on the sideline. You see Jones just get his hand up in time to deflect the ball. But you're quite right. There's strength in the passing arm of Sonny Wade. He's getting some authority on the pass that Bruce Leverman, who was in for the first quarter, never really had. So the 10-yard penalty knocks the Alouettes back to their 35-yard line. It'll be first and 20 from that point. 67 is Dan Yoakum, 36 Larry Smith as the Alouettes break their offensive huddle. Wade throwing complete to Jerry DeCilio at the 47-yard line, so he'll have the 10-yard penalty plus a couple back. Looking on, happy to see his Quebec heroes doing well. Sonny Wade getting a good block by Horace Belton on Ron Este to allow that little extra time for the quarterback to roll to the left side and pick up the Tilio. Well, there's a look at Don Sweet trying to keep those toesies warm. And as a result, he's been able to kick two field goals already today. Wade throws. And is complete to O'Leary, short of the first down by about a yard and a half. Dale Potter, the University of Ottawa graduate, was there to make the tackle for the Eskimos. Beginning to wonder the way the Alouettes are able to hold on to that ball now if they didn't practice in this solution for the last week. No question of distinct edge. Given to Sonny Wade, he's uh, really doing a fine job. He's, he's also able to take that slight roll left and right. And a big gamble right here. Third and one, and the Alouettes will go. The game is to O'Leary, and he will appear to have the first down as he crossed into Edmonton's 53-yard line. Seven minutes left to play in the first half of a 6-0 ball game, and Grey Cup 77 continues in a moment. Well, we had an injury on the last play as Ed Jones came in to try to fill the hole. Seemed to shake up his shoulder. John Farlinger comes in and plays with him. The Alouettes have a first down at the Eskimo 54-yard line. There was movement as flags go down. Wade throws over the middle, complete to Dal Riva for the first down into the Eskimo 38-yard line. I think that flag may be against the Eskimos. It appeared to me Bill Stevenson just anticipated a little too early. But on that play, outstanding time given to Sonny Way, that offensive line really doing a job against this highly respected defensive front four in the Eskimos. Picking everything up all the time. Peter Dalariva finally being able to work free against Dale Potter. Just breaking across the middle from his slot back position on the right. Ed Jones comes back into the ball game as Montreal puts it into play at the Edmonton 39. This is O'Leary. And O'Leary is 
is inside the 30, finally brought down by Pete Lavarato, but he'll be close to another Alouette first down. Matter of fact, the Owls request the measurement. It's that close. A lot of people questioned whether or not the Alouette offensive line was going to be able to handle Edmonton's defensive front four because of the injury to Max Huber. Barry Randall, their veteran on the right side, has been out with injury for the last couple of games. They wondered whether or not he was going to be able to handle David Boone. They knew all along, of course, that Yoko Meneste was going to be a big matchup. Mike, I think they're getting a little help from their backs, too. They're starting those backs in motion one side or the other, and in a couple of cases in that first quarter and a half of football, Wade was allowed to get outside. Of course, he dropped back that last time, but he's had a lot of time to throw the football. You're perfectly right. It is first down Montreal at the Edmonton 29-yard line. That's Smith in motion. There go the backs in motion. And Wade puts it up for Larry Smith. It is knocked away by Ed Jones, a fine play. He's a little bit disenchanted that he wasn't able to make the interception, but it was a good play because Smith was there to make the reception for the touchdown. You can see all the motion to the right of your screen. They tried to flood the area and then just squirt Smith deep, but Ed Jones did a good job of getting back, getting high into the air, making certain that there was no chance for touchdown. Mike, I think you saw an example of my comment just a moment ago. You saw Belton going to motion to the right side. Boone had gotten away from Randall, but he was right there to protect quarterback Sonny Wade. As we look at Sonny Wade, let's go down now to Don Whitman. Tom Wilkinson, it seems almost impossible to hang on to that ball up. Well, it's not too bad throwing the ball uh, if you get it gripped in your hands pretty good when you're going back. But if you don't have a good grip on it, you've got to try it right at last. It is a little bit tough. Uh, I think the stuff they put out there on the, on the field to, to uh, freeze the ice is uh, a little bit slippery. Makes it very difficult for footing as well. That's right, Don, it does. Let's go back up to Pat. Illegal procedure, Montreal. Well, Sonny Wade's first down run is nullified on a procedure penalty against the Alouettes. Ray Watkins, the left offensive guard, pulled Dave Fennell offside. So the five-yard penalty plus the loss of the game is sizable from Montreal's viewpoint. It is second and 15 Alouettes at the Eskimo 34-yard line. Wade, the inside screen to Belton. Belton gets down to the 26, no first down, but it certainly affords the Alouettes much better field position for Don Sweet in the field goal unit. Dave Fennell was there to make the tackle. Well, Frank made the point earlier that he doesn't understand why the Owls are screening as much as they are because the Eskimos aren't coming with a big rush. Dave Fennell certainly did a good job of reading it again. He was right there to bring down Belton quickly. Don Sweet has been good on two of his two tries this afternoon. Let's see what he does from about 33 yards. Jerry DeTilio to hold. And again, Sweet is right in front of the post.
yards in play without any question. But even with that, one touchdown brings Edmonton very close to contention. And in this kind of a game, and on these kind of field conditions, you know how quickly something can break. Well, we've got five minutes and 30 seconds left to play in the first half that Montreal really has dominated. But the big feature, of course, has been the number of turnovers. The last I checked, it was 10. And I'm sure that we'll be heading for some kind of a record before this great cup game is finished. Well, this could be the big play of the game. The field goal is Don Sweet has three, and that accounts for all the points. Sweet will kick it off for the Alouettes as the Eskimos send back Larry Highbaugh and Joe Holloman. And the crowd now comes alive a little bit on behalf of the Eskimos. The total offense, Montreal 164, Edmonton 43. This is Angelo Santucci. Larry Smith tried to slow him down a little bit, and Santucci was able to maintain his balance into the 46-yard line down. Well, we mentioned that it snowed here yesterday. It was a lot of fun for most of the players as they were able to take off some of the pressure that's been on them all week. Wally Bono trying to get his pitching arm in shape. And most of the guys just had a big time, said, well, we may as well make the best of it. Nothing we can do about it. Wilkinson drops the ball, falls on top of it, and then skips back to the 30-yard line. Marvin Davis and George Judges were there to pin him. It appeared to me, Pat, as if he was coming back to the draw to Howard Strickland. Strickland had slipped just as Wilkinson went to hand off to Strickland. The ball carrier, of course, not there. The fumble, Wilkinson fortunate to recover it again, but everything's gone wrong for the Eskimos in these first two quarters of play. And though it has, they trailed by only nine, and being the most explosive offensive team in the country, anything's going to happen. It is second and 22, Edmonton, at their 35-yard line. Wilkinson throws. It is complete to Kanahowski. The game will be 12 up around the 46-yard line. Well, the most important man in that Alouette lineup today has been Don Sweet, as you see him on the sidelines. With just four minutes and seven seconds left to play in the first half, Sweet has accounted for all the scoring, nine points. Dickie Harris is 18, Randy Rhino 21. They drop back awaiting this punt from Hank Alyssa. Good punt by Alyssa. Rhino at his 18-yard line. Time All-American before joining the Montreal Alouettes. There's a great job at that middle safety position and a constant threat in these specialty teams. 
Well, he led the Southeast Conference for three straight years in punt returns. He just returned that one for 18. Montreal at their 41-yard line. O'Leary, the ball carrier, fights his way for a couple. Dan Kepley simply wouldn't let go and nullified the potential big game. The game is two. It is second and eight. Alouettes, as we come down close to the three-minute mark, swings it out to O'Leary. O'Leary fighting his way for the first down right to the midfield marker. Pete Lazzarato finally brought him down. But what great determination by John O'Leary, the rookie from Nebraska. It's 9-0 in favor of the Alouettes. We're coming to you from the Olympic Stadium on Grey Cup 77. Well, this is the great running back of the Montreal Alouettes, Andy Hopkins, out with an injury, of course. Andy, the team seems to be very high. Well, we've had a, we've had a good season, and uh, we're not going to let weather uh, keep us from uh, winning this Grey Cup championship. And uh, even though Edmonton is uh, used to the snow, we're going to show them that we can play in snow also. I think we're, I think we're doing an excellent job. I think special teams would be a key factor. And so far, we've got the edge in special teams. Thank you very much, Andy. Back up the back. Well, thank you, Bill. There was a penalty marker on the play as Horace Belton was knocked by David Boone for no game. But holding is the call against the Alouettes, and the Eskimos will accept the penalty. Holding against Pat Bonnet, the right offensive guard in that Alouette alignment. There's some pretty impressive statistics for a day such as this. Nine for 16, Sonny Wade. He's looked awfully sharp since he's come back late in the season after Joe Barnes' injury, and he suffered injury himself, Pat. Wade on first and 20 is going deep for Gattis. He makes the catch inside the Edmonton 10-yard line, in behind Joe Holliman. But what a catch by Bob Gattis. You won't see a better offensive play diagram anywhere than the Alouettes just ran on this football field against the Eskimos. Outstanding protection afforded to Sonny Wade. A tremendous pass route by Bob Gattis against number 29, Joe Holliman. Holloman, one of the fastest men in the league. But you see how Gattis just got him turned around a bit, got the edge, and Wade with a letter-perfect pass has the Owls at their doorstep. First and 10 from the 12-yard line. A flag goes down as Dallariva makes the catch, puts it in the end zone for a touchdown. Let's see what the flag is about. The preliminary call is holding against Montreal. And if it is... It will wipe out the touchdown pass from Wade to Dallarima. Pat Bonnet again called for holding. Wipe out the touchdown. It'll be a 10-yard penalty, first and 20 from the Eskimo 22-yard line. Pat, it's kind of surprising that Bonnet has been called for holding two times in a row here. He's working against Bill Stevenson, number 65, the left defensive tackle of the Edmonton Eskimos, and he's considered the weakest pass rusher of the front four. Well, what does that say about Pat Bonnet on the offensive line? <laughs> Not much, I guess, so far, right? Flag goes down. The pass is incomplete from Wade to Bob Gaddis, and it appeared as though there was movement on that offensive line of the Alouettes. 
Dale Parner did a good job of getting back into play into the play from his linebacking spot. The pass actually seemed to deflect off his shoulder pad, and he turned around. He may have been in a position to intercept. Decline the penalty, so it's still second and 20 from the 22. Wade throws looking for Belton. It is incomplete, and that'll bring Don Sweet back onto the field to try to tie his great cup record of four field goals. As you look at Marv Levy on the sidelines, he has to be happy with that 52-yard gain from Sonny Wade to Bob Gaddis that set up the field position for the Alouettes field goal try. Delighted with that, Pat, but I'm certain very upset that penalties destroyed the momentum of that drive because it appeared that Peter Dallariva had the touchdown. That was wiped out. Then a further penalty thereafter. Once again, they're going to have to call upon Don Sweet. The ball will be spotted by Dottilio at the 30-and-a-half yard line. Time is called temporarily by the officials with two minutes and 22 seconds left in the first half. I think offensive center uh, Pat called that timeout. Wayne Conrad, number 44, he just couldn't get a proper grip on that ball. Well, so I, I put remember a new ball in there, Mike. I remember a great cup game between these two teams, but the ball might have been a little slippery. The hold wasn't right, and Don Sweet didn't make it, and that was the difference. This one is wide. High bar in his end zone. He just backs off very slowly and finally goes down on one knee. So Don Sweet now has 10 points, and that's the score. Montreal 10, Edmonton nothing, with 2.11 left to play in this first half. If there is an edge to anyone in this kind of a field, in my opinion, and it's only opinion since I was never a receiver, it would be to the offensive receiver because they know the pattern they want to run. The defender is trying to react quickly on this kind of a field. Frank. I don't think there's any question about that, Mike, and you saw that when uh, Gannis got behind Holloman. There was a great shot from the end zone camera. He just made a quick move to the inside, and he was open behind him. The Eskimos have the receivers. They have quarterbacks who have been known to throw, but they just haven't yet been able to click. They take over at their 35-yard line. Flag goes down, and Marvin Davis has the Edmonton quarterback back at the 30-yard line. But I think that flag is against the Alouettes. I noticed movement in the middle of that defensive line. It may have been Glenn Weir, who is, again, just trying to get that quick start of his that's been of such importance to him. We'll see if we can pick it up. There's Glenn Weir. You see number 64 had just extended himself a bit. So this big play by Marvin Davis, 66. Carl Cornell, 72. Chuck Zapek in there. That's been a big part of this game. Well, as you pointed out, Mike, it was Glenn Weir that was offside. So the Eskimos accept the penalty. It's a first and five for Edmonton from their 40. Quickly, the pass is knocked away by Tony Cosper. Intended for Howard Strickland. Right now, let's go down to Don Whitman. 
Harry Highball, were you thinking it, uh, trying to run that one back, or was your plan to concede the single all along? Well, I was thinking about conceding the single all along, but the way that was forming, uh, you know, I started going around one the ends, but, you know, I just had to give up the point. Do the receivers have a big edge on the pass defenders out in that slippery field? Yes, because we don't know where they're going. They know where they're going, and the field is very slick. Back upstairs, Pop. Well, thank you, Don. And as Mike Wadsworth had mentioned, uh, no question about it, that the receiver has the advantage, and you heard that verified by Larry Highbaugh. The penalty was declined by Montreal. It was a procedure penalty against the Eskimos. So it is second and five, Edmonton from their 40. We've got two minutes left in the first half. The pass a great one-handed grab by Stu Lang. Now the question is, how far did he get? He looks to be about a yard and a half short. And now they put it very close to the 45, so we could have a little bit of a discussion here. Let's take a close look. There's the great stab. He seemed to be awfully close to that line to me. Just about a foot or so from it, but then back the force of the tackle. They're about six, well, maybe two inches short of the 45-yard line. So it's third and just inches to go. The Eskimos trail by 10. All the points coming from the toe of Don Sweet. Wilkinson keeps it. Now the placement of the ball, of course, is all important. I'll tell you, he didn't have too far to go, but the Alouettes didn't give up. I think he had it, but some good action in the middle. What a year Stu Lang has had, and considered by many coaches as the most underrated pass receiver in Canada. It is a first down for the Eskimos. They haven't had too many this half, but they've got a minute and 39 seconds to try to get on the board. That's their second first down of the first half. So we'll see what they can do in a minute and 30 seconds. The ball is right at the Eskimo 45. Wilkinson puts it up for Konohowski and is picked off by Randy Rhino. His second pass interception of the game. There is a flag down on the field. There's a flag. I don't know whether they're going to be calling interference against Dickie Harris. There was the exchange between Konohowski and Harris. So that turnover is not a turnover. Dickie Harris not able to keep up with the fleet Konohowski as he started to turn it deep. Well, there was no doubt that the penalty was to be called and should have been. The Eskimos pick up the first down and have it now at Montreal's 53-yard line. This is Strickland. Dances his way for about three. Carl Cornell and Wally Buono were there to haul him down at the 50-yard line with a minute and 14 seconds left to play in the first half. The game will be three. It'll be second and seven Edmonton. Bruce Lemmerman started at quarterback for the Eskimos, gave way to Tom Wilkinson early in the second quarter when the Eskimos just couldn't move the ball. Flags are down. 
Wilkinson drops the ball. Glenn Weir has it. And Weir is inside the 15-yard line. But flags are down, and Montreal may have moved early. Junior IU may have been offside. I'm certain there's at least one or two in that defensive line. It appeared to be Junior IU. We can't pick him up on our screen right here, but there's Wilkinson with a tremendous rush. Boano coming in on the blitz. Davis in quickly, and then the balance of the Alouettes, one of whom is Glenn Weir. He's always around the play, and he came up with a fumble. But once again, the Eskimo drive being kept alive. Two turnovers created by the Alouettes. They are not able to take advantage of because of penalties. Penalties becoming a big factor against Montreal in the second quarter. They lost a touchdown because of penalties. They've allowed the Eskimo defense to continue, or offense to continue because of it. You can see at the top of your screen the offside by that defensive line. Well, Huey Campbell obviously concerned. The Eskimos not being able to do much offensively. Jim Germany is the injured Edmonton ball player. And Tom Wilkinson takes advantage of the injury to go over and have a word with his head coach. Germany being attended to by the Eskimo training staff as Wilkinson, Lemmerman, and head coach Hugh Campbell all huddle on the Edmonton sideline. 41 seconds left in the first half. Montreal out in front, 10 to nothing. But the Eskimos have a second and two situation from the Montreal 50-yard line. As a matter of fact, it's the 45. And what a year Jim Germany had, though, Mike. Outstanding. 1,004 yards. You see the outstanding average he had as well. Santucci in now to replace the injured Germany. We hope a great performer like him will not be lost to the Eskimos for too long. Well, that little lady looks cold, but... She's probably not too happy either since she is cheering for the Eskimos. Edmonton has managed only 51 yards offensively so far this afternoon. It is second and about two and a half for the Eskimos right now. That was Santucci diving his way inside the 45, close to the first down marker. The clock is stopped with 39 seconds. Judges and Weir, the two outstanding Canadian defensive tackles of the Alouettes, were there to make the stop. Tom Milkinson taking a look at the measurement. I would think also he'd want to get into that huddle pretty quickly. 39 seconds remaining. I'm sure they'd like to try to reach for those eight points. Because I would imagine that Coach Hugh Campbell would go for the two-point conversion if they're able to get a touchdown. Well, 66 is Marvin Davis. Carl Fennell, 72. Chuck Zapek, 76. On third and very short yardage for the Eskimos. The ball is just inside the Montreal 45-yard line. Third and close to a yard with 30 seconds showing on the clock. Taking a lot of time. Wilkinson just goes in behind his left offensive guard and should have the necessary yardage. The clock is stopped at 23 seconds. Well, a big play for the Edmonton Eskimos, but a good job by Bob Howes on Carl Cornell, the middle linebacker. Number 50, Willie Martin, getting into the action as well and giving the middle linebacker something to remember. 
Well, let's go downstairs now to Don Whitman. Jim Germany, what's the problem? They pretty badly bruised. Yes, they are. You think you'll be able to get back? This is Strickland with a big gainer for a first down into the Montreal 30-yard line. Carl Trinnell, the middle linebacker, makes the tackle for Montreal with 12 seconds showing on the clock. It is a first down for the Eskimos. Cornell eventually in the tackle, but a good job by Bob Howes engaging the middle linebacker, allowing Strickland that initial running room to burst through. A good acceleration by the Edmonton running back, and for the first time, the Eskimos are starting to get some sustained attack, but they just don't have enough time left. Well, this will be the final play of the half. Dave Cutler is into the ball game. Wilkinson will spot it down at the 39-yard line. Now, too much time has been assessed by referee Bill Dell. Well, as a matter of fact, he's decided that they've got to change balls. So it is not a time penalty against the Eskimos. It's simply a stoppage to make the exchange of footballs. Montreal out in front, 10 to nothing. Edmonton will try to get on the board on this, the final play of the first half. He had 50 field goals during the regular season, and nobody has ever come that close in the history of the game on either side of the border. Cutler is good. The Eskimos get on the board on the final play of the first half and narrow the Montreal lead to a converted touchdown. It is Montreal 10, Edmonton 3, and on behalf of my partner, Mike Wadsworth, this is Pat Marsden saying we hope that you enjoyed the first half of the ball game and stay tuned because you know that with two football teams of this magnitude, anything is likely to happen in the second half. It was an air-filled first 30 minutes, but the club seemed to settle down toward the latter part of the second quarter. Penalties played a prominent role in depriving Montreal of an offensive touchdown and then wiping out a big fumble. But let's give credit to the Eskimos who refused to fold. They were down 10 to nothing, and when given the opportunity, they were able to put a drive together that enabled Dave Cutler to put them down to within a converted touchdown. So it's a 10-0 score, and Drake Cup 77 will continue in a moment. Well, you know, it's a pleasure to be involved, Russ Jackson, with the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, the first football game we were here for in the Olympic Stadium, and now the first Drake Cup game. And sadly, the first half was not what the organizers and the many fans thought it would be because of the field conditions. In fact, I know you'll agree, the Edmonton Eskimos are indeed fortunate to be where they are, a touchdown behind. No question about that, Don. Only a touchdown behind after giving up the ball six times in one half of a football game. You've got to consider yourself very fortunate. But I think one of the big questions is going to be whether Edmonton will be able to move the ball a little bit better in this second half because neither Lemmerman nor Wilkinson was able to get that ball club moving. And maybe they're going to have to roll out a little bit more. Sonny Wade, um, I think, really put the Edmonton defense off balance by rolling out a little bit, completely sprint outs, and then semi-rollouts because it's very difficult on this surface to get any pressure on the quarterback. And that's what Edmonton hoped to do. Russ, I thought 
tell me if you agree, the officials were playing it a little bit too much by the book, not allowing for the slipping and sliding going on, especially on procedure calls and offside calls, and players tried to get back in time and couldn't because the field was slippery. Well, I think you can say that, John, but I believe that they have to do this. In a ball game of this importance, I think that if there is a procedure call or an offside, even though the field conditions do not allow them to get back, I think the officials do definitely have to call them. I think one of the most difficult ones is downfield on the pass interference. That becomes a real problem because players don't have a chance of moving out of the way. Well, as you compare the teams in the first half, it's overwhelmingly Montreal except by a touchdown to the scoreboard. The Montreal Alouettes were the dominant team, including penalties, and that hurt them. 77 yards and 11 calls. But look at the first downs, 11 to 5. The passing, the total offense, 225 to 64. It was all Montreal, and yet the Eskimos and Cutler's late second quarter field goal are very much alive here as we get set to go in quarter number three from the Big O, the Olympic Stadium, on this cold afternoon in Montreal. The Alouettes have got their three deep receivers back across the goal line area for Cutler's kickoff, and the second half of the Grey Cup game is underway. Bounding down at the 20-yard line, Randy Rhino, and Rhino past the 35. will set Montreal up, first down, taken down by Angelo Santucci at the Alouette 37-yard line. A run back of 23 yards. Tom Wilkinson relieved the starter, Bruce Lemmerman, at quarterback. Trying to stay as warm as you possibly can on a day like this at the Eskimo bench. The Eskimos, with a tough, tough defense all season long, have been pushed around by Montreal in this first half. Dottilio, number nine, goes wide left. Gattis, 22 on the right side. Melton cannot find any footing at all. He goes down right at the line of scrimmage. On contact from David Boone at defensive end number 64. It's going to be second down and about ten and a half yards to go. John, if there is an advantage on this turf right now, game starting in the second half, the Edmonton Eskimos have that advantage going from our right to their left because of the way the turf has been laid down here at the Big O. Wade on second down will flare it out. Ian Mofford has five has about seven yards up around the 43. Taken down over there on the sidelines by number 29, Joe Holloman. But they'll be short by about three and a half of the first down. Frank? See, if we can start this up right now, you can see that the, uh, we can stop it right here. You can see the Edmonton Eskimos come with all three quarterbacks. A great call because quarterback Sonny Wade dropped it to the outside. Unfortunately for the Alouettes, he did not pick up the first down. Butler and Highball are back as this fan is dancing and staying warm here as Sonny Way prepares to punt. Lifts it high and lifts it deep. The 22-yard line for Butler. Vernon Perry rides him down short of the Eskimo 35. They'll start from near the 33 on the 47-yard punt by Way. Right now, let's check in at field level with Bill Stevenson. Well, thank you, Don. As you're probably aware, there are no heaters at the Montreal bench, but there are heaters in the Edmonton bench. The reason for it is this. In the 75 Grey Cup, Montreal had heaters. The players clustered around them. They found they got warm, and then when they went out into the cold air away from the heaters, that their muscles started giving them trouble. That's why they were fumbling the ball and having cramps. That's why Levy says, no heaters, period. We're going to use you all the way in the temperature as it is. All right, Don. This is Wilkie in at quarterback once again. It is incomplete. And I was standing in 75, Bill, at the Eskimo bench or the Alouette bench, and I'm glad they had the heaters that day. 
Bill Stevenson mentions that Grey Cup in Calgary, and these two clubs, the Montreal and Edmonton, have now played six quarters under very similar conditions, the four quarters in Calgary and two here, and they have yet to score a touchdown. Angelo Santucci is in the backfield for Jim Germany, who has not returned. It is second down and ten. Here's you They've got him. Glenn Weir was there with him at the 25-yard line in the sack for Tom Wilkinson. And it's going to be third down, Eskimo. Well, Wilkinson trying to go back to pass, and from the left of the screen, you'll see all you come in from his blind side, and he just ran past Willie Martin, and Martin seemed to lose his footing, and all you just stepped over top of him, and Wilkins didn't have a chance to look downfield and throw that ball, and uh, Wilkie doesn't have that speed that he used to have, and coming off the field, Junior IU 77, and Glenn Weir, who's having a fine afternoon. The first sack of Wilkinson by the Alouette defense today. Hank Elissick, the 18-year-old student at St. Joseph's High School in Edmonton. What a find he has been. Rhino's back with Harris. It's coming down to Randy Rhino at the 45-yard line. Rhino bumps into Harris. Then has room. Midfield, the Eskimo 52. Bob Howes, number 53, takes him down. It'll be first down, Montreal. Wake Up 77 will continue in just a moment. Across the bridge for the south shore of the Olympic Stadium here in Montreal with the Alouettes getting set to go first down. And you know, these teams in the last three Grey Cups have not scored a touchdown in eight quarters of Grey Cup action. That's two complete games. Not since Larry Shearer scored in the second quarter in 1974. Sonny White, all kinds of flags down. A big collision there. Holloman and Bob Gannis. The pass, as you see, is incomplete. We'll see what those penalties might be all about. John, I think the first call was illegal procedure on number 67, Dan Yoakum. But on isolation, we see a little post pattern by Gaddis, number 22. But good coverage by 29, Joe Holloman took that away from him. And we'll hear from the official maybe what the penalty is. It's definitely illegal procedure. And I think it was Dan Yoakum, number 67. That's sweet. Nailed for it. So it's declined by the Eskimos. They'll lose the down. They still have 10 to go. Second and 10 coming up. Watch 67. The top of your screen. That's called illegal procedure. We've had a great deal of that today. Wade for the Tilliel. He's got him at the 35. The Eskimos 26 yard line. Ed Jones finally hauls down Jerry down. Jerry Tatilio, who has started a wide receiver in the last couple of ball games, just runs a simple bend in pattern, and Wade again getting that outstanding protection he's been getting all afternoon gets the ball away, and Tatilio takes that ball in front of number 13, Larry Highbach, going behind a good block by Gaddis, and finally pulled down by Ed Jones, number 24. But Wade is getting that good protection. A gain of 26. So now this is John O'Leary in top inside for about three. Right now, let's bring in Don Whitman. Well, Jim Germany would like to get back into the ball game, but Germany, who's standing just behind me, suffered badly bruised ribs late in the uh, first half. They put a pad over the rib and gave him some painkiller. He says, if the coach needs me, I'll be ready to go in. Second down, make it six yards, Montreal, near the 22 of the Eskimos. 
for Peter Dallariva. Intercepted in the end zone. Now it's ruled no catch. Ed Jones was there reaching for that ball as it juggled in the air, and it is ruled an incomplete pass. Here it is again. Well, in isolation, Peter Dallariva going downfield, and number seven, Lavarado, just came across and touched that ball as it was going to Peter Dallariva, but the pressure was on Sonny Wade that time for one of the few times this afternoon the Edmonton Eskimos brought their linebackers. Dallariva, of course, is the most feared receiver as far as the Eskimo defenders are concerned. Larry Highbaugh, the lone man in the end zone, as Don Sweet will try for field goal number four. He's three for four right now from the 30-yard line. Jerry Dottilio, number nine, spots the ball for him. Sweet has his fourth field goal. And that ties the great cup record he set in 1974. And the Alouettes move into a 13-3 lead. Don Sweet coming off the sideline there, having just tied the Grey Cup record with his fourth field goal of the afternoon, and he'll be going back on there to kick off as the Edmonton Eskimos have elected to have the Alouettes kick off from their 35-yard line. But pretty soon the Edmonton Eskimos are going to have to get some offense going, Don, or Montreal is going to kick them out of this ballpark if they don't run them out of it. In fact, Russ, in the last two Grey Cup games, Don Sweet has handled all the Montreal scoring. They lost 9-8 when he missed a field goal on a snap that Jimmy Jones couldn't handle late in Calgary in that game. And this man here can't figure it out. I know that isn't Frank. He's sitting right next to us. <laughs> Thanks very much, Donnie. I think it's Tom key down at field level. <laughs> no, it's too big for Tom. Well, he's having fun, whoever it is. Joe Holloman on the right and Larry Highbaugh at the top of your screen you saw are the deep receivers stationed back near the 10-yard line for Sweet's kickoff from the 35. These teams obviously feel they can do better running back kickoffs than starting at their own 35-yard line following field goals today. Low bounding ball. Angelo Santucci will take it. Santucci is the middle opens up for him to the 45-yard line of Montreal. Angelo Santucci, the former Hamilton Tiger cap, puts the Eskimos in great field position. Jim Burrow brought him down, number 16. Watch it again. Well, Santucci has been running all of these kickoffs back because Don Sweet hasn't had good long kickoffs, and he just broke it through the initial wave of Alouette Tackers and ran it downfield. And again, Burrow, who was dressed for this particular ball game, caught him from behind as he was breaking into the clear. A 41-yard return by Santucci. Here he is again. He'll settle for two yards at the 43 in the grasp of Tony Proudfoot. Don, I don't think the Edmonton Eskimos are going to be able to run too much against this Montreal defense. It's a good defense plus that traction on the field, and they have yet to be able to get the passing game going. And certainly sometime in this third quarter, they're going to have to move it out, and Santucci has given them an opportunity with that fine run back. Potahowski goes wide left to right, and the left side is McGowan. Strickland inside the 40-yard line around the 36, but he'll miss the first down by a yard or yard and a half. There she is, Miss Lake 1977. Bundled up nice and warm next to our Prime Minister and the CFL Commissioner Jake Bobby. CFL President Bill Hudson. 
the seasoned veteran Tom Wilkinson failed to direct the Eskimos to a first down. It's a yard and a half on third. Dave Cutler with all kinds of range by his standards from the 45-yard line. And he's got it. The man who kicked 50 regular season field goals brings the Eskimos once again to within a touchdown of Montreal at 13-6. to Don, it never ceases to amaze me to watch Cutler kick that ball. He kicked it from almost 45 yards and had a good 10 yards into that end zone. But the height he gets with it is just amazing. He gets that ball up in the air with the distance. You know, Rush, one of the amazing stats about Dave Cutler this, uh, this year, everybody's talking about his 50 field goals, but his dad told me up in Edmonton last week, he kicked 18 of them 48 yards or longer. Much room inside there around the 36-yard line for Belton. It's going to be second down, about eight and a half yards to go, Montreal, as they lead 13 to 6. Three points in the first quarter, seven in the second, three so far in the third. The Eskimos, a field goal by Cutler in each of the second and third quarters. We are about midway through the third. could not gather in that low pass near center field. Well, that's another time Sonny Wade got out of the pocket with that pressure coming straight on, and he had a lot of room to run that time, probably for the first down with two blockers out in front of him. That time Gaddis, the ball bounced to him, and even with a glove, he wouldn't have been able to hang on to that one. So it becomes third down. Eight and a half yards to go. The putter is Sonny Wade. Receivers back near the Eskimo 20-yard line. Down at the 30 for Butler. Chow shut him off, and then he got some support, and he's taken down. Vernon Perry came in to back him up, and the Eskimos will start deep inside the 25. And this is Wake Up 1977. Dave Cutler, two field goals, that one a long one. Uh, you've been kicking well, but you haven't had the opportunity yet to really uh, do too much. Well, Don, we, we've uh, got to score a touchdown pretty quick. You know, we're right back in this ball game now, and, uh, you know, we think we can come back, and it's, you know, we got the ball club to do it. They're great, but I think we're better. Dave, you kicked that one 15 yards over the crossbar. Uh, I think you were quite interested in that to find out just what range you might be able to be good from. Well, we're going into the wind right now. There's a slight wind down here, and uh, we're going into it, so we have to know how much we can gauge on it. Glenn Weir has got Wilkinson down inside the 10-yard line. And that aggressive Montreal defense just keeps coming and coming. Second sack of Wilkie. Here it is. Well, Will, little hand fake by Tom, number 23, Santucci, but 64, Glenn Weir just beat Eric Upton in there and chased Wilkie down before he could get set up to throw the ball downfield, putting Edmonton in bad field position inside their 10-yard line. A 12-yard loss makes it second and 22 at the 9. McGowan left for Warrington. Tanahuski on the right side. It is up for grabs. And incomplete as Rhino was tracking down Tylenowski. Along with Dickie Harris, who's a little slow getting up. 
I'll tell you, Don, that would have been almost as good as a punt anyway had Harris picked the ball off. Well, in isolation, we see Connor Hosky going downfield, and Harris covering him well now turns around, has excellent position on him there, just inside him running downfield, staying in front of him, being able to adjust to come back to that ball. I think Rhino inadvertently cost him the interception. Quite possibly. This is third down, Hank Elicit from the Eskimo end zone to punt. He booms it out well near midfield. Dickie Harris brings it back about nine near the 46-yard line. And they give him a 47. Lateral was there to make the tackle. Along with Ian Bryan. 45-yard punt. In number seven, Pete Lavarado coming downfield here. Davis trying to keep up with him and block him, but just good hustle on his part as he slips. Harris slips. He comes back and makes the initial tackle. Tough play number 34, Ian Bryant. First down, Montreal. The Eskimo 47. Fake to Belton and wide open is John O'Leary. The 15-yard line. Holloman and Kepley finally caught up with him, but it's a big Montreal first down and a gain of 32. Well, one of those plays that the Alouettes have used very successfully with John O'Leary this year. Not only has he been running the ball well for them, but he comes out of that backfield and gets open in that flat area, makes an easy over-the-shoulder catch, and Gaddis doing a good job of blocking a number 29, John Holman. Down Joe Holman, downfield, to allow him to get five or six extra yards. John O'Leary, a good pass receiver. Wade with time, pumps it into the end zone. No, just off the fingertips of Peter Dallariva. He made a catch not unlike the one he lunged for right there in the Eastern Final against the Ottawa Roughriders. That was simply too far for him. I'll tell you, just an excellent job by that offensive line of the Montreal Alouettes. They brought all the linebackers from the Edmonton Eskimos again, and Delariva was man-to-man coverage, and he was open, just a little bit overthrown. This is second down. the crowd to settle down so his players could hear the signal. Everybody in motion left. Look out. Big charge on him. He had to throw it away before he was ready in the end zone. Boone was coming and took Sunny Way down just as the ball was released with Kepley there as well. Don, that seems to be the only time they can get decent pressure on Sunny Wade is when they bring those linebackers. Frank, you want to sing along here? I guess some about old dogs and children. I can't sing that to a banjo. Give me a guitar in here. You forgot your hat. Sonny Wade is 13 for 26. 50% of his passes have been good for 237. That's a good afternoon on a day like this, Don. And it's still early. Five minutes to play in the third quarter. Don Sweet counting heads. This could be a Grey Cup record fifth field goal. Keeps going. He could kick 11 of them. That's his number. From the 23. There it is. A record cut field goal in a single great cup game for Don Sweet. And now the Alouettes 
gone on top by a score of 16 to 6, a 10-point lead, something they enjoyed until the last couple of minutes of the second quarter when Cutler kicked his first. Russ, the Edmonton Eskimos are certainly having all kinds of problems offensively. You're an ex-quarterback. What do you think they should be trying to do right now? Well, I think they have to try and break down that defensive secondary a little bit, the linebackers, because Montreal has been able to basically come in with their four-man rush and not have to bring their linebackers to put some pressure on. And if they can start completing a few in that secondary, they might force them to bring some linebackers to give them a few more holes to throw that ball into. But as long as they can't complete those passes, that four-man rush is going to make it difficult for them to complete too many. They're certainly really hurt without the great running back Jim Germany in the ballgame. Here's Sweet's kick. Down for Holloman on the run, the 30-yard line. Into a crowd, and he's taken down short of the 45. They'll go from near the 42-yard line while they get set for the first down. Let's check in with Bill Stevenson. All right, and we'll check in with John Beaton, the former Edmonton Eskimo, now Montreal Alouette on the injured side. John, you're a defensive back. In a field such as this one, who has the advantage now, the receivers or the defensive backs? I would think the receivers would have the advantage, but the way the game has been going so far today, I think uh, actually our defensive backs compared to Edmonton defensive backs having a better day, really. All right, let's go upstairs to Don. Thank you, Don. There it is, another turnover. The 50-yard line. The 11th turnover, and we have certainly had our share this afternoon. Angela Santucci carrying that ball, having come in for the injured Jim Germany. Gets hit as he gains about five or six yards, going through the line here off tackle. The ball comes loose, number 77, IU, 64, Weir. There's a pile of them in there looking for that ball with number 23, Tony Bradford, coming up with it. Montreal from the Edmonton 50. There's a strike to Gattis. He'll go out of bounds at the 30-yard line with a 20-yard gain and a Montreal first down. Don, I'm just impressed with the way Sonny Wade is playing right now because he's mixing up the straight drop-back pass and the spread-out pass, and this causes a lot of pressure on isolation. Gaddis going downfield, pushing number 29, Joe Holloman, off. But the ball was delivered right on time by Wade. Holloman giving him that couple-of-yard pushing, but the ball's there not allowing him to come back. You notice how those pass defenders, when they try to stop in reaction to the stop, made by the receiver or a good second away from recovering their footing once again that's happening time and time again Larry Smith will take it down for about three near the 27 the play had been whistled dead when the ball came loose it'll be a three-yard game John, as I was saying, that sprint out with the drop back is giving Sunny Wade the protection that you need on a day like this because we were down there, as you know, before the game and we were trying to run on that field and drop back and it was very difficult and you have to get that extra little time to get set up and Wade is getting that opportunity where the Edmonton quarterbacks have not had that. You and Frank look like speed skaters trying to walk around down there. <laughs> I wasn't dropping back to throw though, <laughs> Second down. Seven and a half to go. Peter Dallariva at the six-yard line. Ed Jones made a good tackle and saved the touchdown after Dallariva beat him on the pass. Well, Ed Jones didn't get 
get any help from anybody downfield because number seven, Pete Lavarado, the free safety, was coming on out of flips, and this created the problem. And we'll be back with Great Cup 77 in just a moment. There's an important fact. Seven turnovers by the Eskimos, four by the Alouettes today. Montreal first and goal to go from the six-yard line. Pick to O'Leary. And the pass unable to bring it in. Peter Dallariva. Ed Jones knocked it away. Don Sweet with all 16 points today. If you're wondering what the Grey Cup record is, it's 22 set by Jim Van Pelt of Winnipeg. And so Sweet's within range. I'm glad you mentioned that, Don. That's an ex-Winnipeg Blue Bomber, of course. And you saw Montreal try that play earlier in the first half with Smith trying to throw back to Wade. That's how Van Pelt scored. There's the touchdown for Dallareva. Peter Dallariva on isolation. He just goes over the goal line, runs a little outsider, and number 24, Ed Jones, just was nowhere near him. And again, Sonny Wade getting that outstanding protection from his offensive line and having lots of time and throwing the ball on time. The first touchdown between these two teams since the second quarter of the 74 game. Again, we see Wade going back. We see no immediate pressure. Steps it into the pocket. Dallariva has it. Don Sweet has the point after. <laughs> Montreal now leading Edmonton 23 to 6. Two minutes and 13 seconds remaining in the third quarter. On isolation again, Wade going back, and we notice that the protection, he has all kinds of time. We keep repeating that because I think that has been the difference, and I think the idea of Wade sprinting out has taken some of that pressure off when he drops straight back. And Peter Dallariva, outstanding Canadian player, making that touchdown catch. Frank, I'm sure you'll agree. Jones has done a pretty fair job of covering him. He just couldn't get to him that time. Well, I think we saw the advantage, Don, particularly on that replay from the end zone that the offensive back has over the, uh, I mean, the offensive receiver has over the defensive back. Dallariva didn't really make a great move, and that's, that's perfectly all right because he doesn't want to plant that foot down in that icy end zone either. He just couldn't be covered by Jones because he knows where he's going. The Eskimos are into a deep hole now, trailing by 17 at 23 to 6. And even the cheerleaders are sitting down for a moment, reflecting on the situation. You can tell who she's cheering for, or wants to cheer for. They'll give her a chance. She'll be glad to get up and, <laughs> and do the cheer. Here is Don Sweet kicking off. Holloman at the five-yard line. Smith made the first contact. Boffer the second. They got some help, and the play's all over the 26-yard line for Holloman. Just over two minutes until the end of the third quarter. Well, part of this capacity crowd here at the Olympic Stadium, if they're cheering for the Alouettes, enjoying this ball game very much this afternoon. Well, you must give these people credits. People last night were saying as many as 20,000 might not use the tickets. It's so bitterly cold here, but most have turned up. Lemonman lost the ball. It is recovered by the Eskimos. Gordon Judges was groping for it. And that is Willie Martin. One of those frostbitten fingers of his just getting his hand out of the save of the Eskimos right there. 
Don, you mentioned Willie Martin's frostbitten fingers, and I looked at him at practice this week. They were really, really bad. Of course, they were frostbitten in that uh, game against the BC Lions, and boy, he's, he might be in real trouble after this ball game. For George McGowan, as a collision as Harris went up with him to reach for the ball, no penalty was called. And it goes now to third down Eskimos and 20 yards to go. George McGowan going and working against a real good halfback and Dickie Harris throws it actually over the outside shoulder and McGowan seemed to look back to the inside for it. The Eskimos just can't seem to put it together. Minute and 15 seconds left in the third quarter. 23 to 6 Montreal. Hank Elisic getting set to punt. The seventh of the day. Good and high for Randy Rhino. Rhino, look out. At the 10 yard line. Lost the ball. It's picked up by Montreal. The Alouettes are at the 10 yard line with the first down. Dan Kepley hit him and jarred the ball loose. Derry Ardern, I believe, was there to recover. I don't know what Randy Rhino is wearing on his feet today, but he's had a lot of success running back those punts this afternoon. A 49-yard return right there by Rhino. Well, Rhino taking that punt now, and he finds the opening right here, and then going downfield, pushing Zapek out of the way, he gets past Lavarado, and number 26 trying to get him, and this time, Elisic tries to make the hit. But it's Kepley that actually makes it. Oh, just tipped away in the end zone. Waiting for it was Larry Smith. <laughs> It'll be second down from just inside the 10. In fact, they cannot get a first down without scoring a touchdown from this point of scrimmage. The minute flag is up. Clock shows 35 seconds of third quarter playing time remaining. It's 23 to 6 right now for Montreal. This is second down. John O'Leary walks in for the touchdown. Well, Sonny Way is going to screen out to the right, and Kepley, number 42, really got hit by Wayne Conrad out here. Right there, just out of your screen, right there. Kepley goes down with Conrad, really drilling him. And O'Leary just walks into the end zone for this second touchdown, giving the Alouettes a commanding 29-6 lead at this time. Marv Levy has got to be a happy head coach. Don Sweet will attempt his 18th point of this game. And now the Alouettes lead by the measure of 24 points at 30 to 6. Don Point now, Don Sweet has a Great Cup record for points scored, by the way. He scored 40 in his three Great Cup appearances. With 18 seconds left in the third quarter, there is the score. Very happy Alouette bench as the offense comes off, and happy cheerleaders out there, and I'm sure a lot of people, not too many people, expected a game like this 
with the Alouettes dominating so much throughout the entire ballgame. Keep the circulation going in those legs of these athletes. Bob Gannis getting some warning at the Alouette bench with some liniment to warm him up. 18 seconds left. The Eskimos and their supporters are a dismayed lot right now, to say the least. That is Holloman for the seven-yard line. They reverse to Larry Highball. Look out. Highball able to get any footing at all is rolled back by Dickie Harris from the 35-yard line. That is where the Eskimos will have their first down. Brought it back 25 yards, but he never did get solid footing, even though a huge opening appeared before him. Oh, sweet kicking that ball away from Highball all afternoon. This time it gained to number 29, Holloman, and they tried this reverse, but... He's almost running on eggs here. He just can't cut in there once you get the opportunity. And Dickie Harris, who plays well defensively, just put him straight up and pushed him back. Lemonman is back in at quarterback. A draw play to Angelo Santucci, and the Alouette defense is everywhere. Wally Buono, the right side linebacker, number 39, made the hit on Santucci. And the game is going to be about a yard, if that. Well, that is the end of quarter number three. This is Grey Cup 77 for Montreal. <laughs> Here's to the everyday things that end up being everything. Here's to all things simple, with casual clothing and footwear, from Marks. From snowy Montreal, Quebec, to the Olympic Stadium, Don Chevrier with Russ Jackson, Frank Rickney, Don Whitman, and Bill Stevenson, as we go to the fourth quarter of the 1977 Grey Cup game. And the Montreal Alouettes in the third quarter finally got all the points they were in position to score in the first half for their domination of the Eskimos. And hold it, Belly. It's not that warm here. <laughs> he Obviously, he has a separate heat source. <laughs> Internal combustion. Lang down there at the 35-yard line. They'll mark him at the 36. From Lemmerman, the pass. And the Eskimos now finally may have something going. Randy Rhino was the defender who made the tackle for the Alouettes. Oh, Bruce, Lemmerman. Sorry, oh, Bruce Lemmerman just throwing that up for grabs again, covered by Dwayne Crump, number 27, but Lang just makes a good reception, taking it away from Crump. Lang, their big receiver in the Western Final, and really a surprise for the Eskimos. Look at the total offense. To the sideline, and it's picked off out there. Brandon Perry, a block away from a touchdown. Look out. Now Strickland brings him down at the seven-yard line. The pass, I think, was intended for Tarnahowski, but that's dangerous territory out there, and Perry picked it off. Well, Leverman just trying to throw a simple out to the outside over there, and Vernon Perry, number 37, who's noted for his hitting and has 
left the CFL East in interceptions this year, picked it off and brought it back to the seven-yard line where the Alouettes are knocking on the door again. A 71-yard interception return at his first and touchdown to go. There's no pressure. chasing Wade. How do they roll it? It's a touchdown. Touchdown. Bob Gaddis, I think, gathered it in. And the Alouettes increased their lead early in the fourth quarter. Well, that's one touchdown. There's some happy fans out there. If that's one touchdown, you can't blame the defensive backs for. Again, no pressure on number 14, Sonny Wade, allowing him to roll out of the pocket, giving Gaddis time to move around in the end zone, and he just caught that ball over the goal line. Wade dropping straight back here in the four-man rush, being blocked well. Randall forcing his man Boone inside, then he slipped. Gaddis is working in the end zone, comes back and makes the catch for the touchdown. You can't give a quarterback that much time. <laughs> Johnny who? <laughs> I think he means Rodgers. 36 to 6, the point after by Don Sweet is good. 37 to 6. There's the Grey Cup. It appears it'll be staying right here in Montreal. Sonny Wade now, 18 of 32 for 306 passing yards. Now from ground level, after Wade had scrambled out of the pocket, we see the pass just thrown to Gaddis, just inside the goal line, and there was some hesitation there as to whether it was a touchdown or not. Bob Gaddis, who caught that pass to put Hamilton Tiger Cats out of the playoffs, is having just one fine afternoon here in his first Grey Cup appearance. A minute and 15 seconds into the fourth quarter. And I'm sure that no one could have forecast with any degree of believability the events that have taken place here this afternoon. 37 to 6, Montreal over Edmonton. The Eskimos coming off a 38 nothing win and a 38 to 1 win in their last two Western games. He and Highbar will give up a single point right there. Now, Vitellio's claiming it should be two points. The official holding up one finger. Vitellio claiming the ball was touched and sent back by an Eskimo into the end zone, but now it's a single point, and it's going to be 38-6. to six. Well, this time Holloman not quite getting up to field that ball. It bounced in front of him and then went into the end zone. And a good play by Highbaugh here coming in and just falling on that ball rather than trying to run it up maybe to the one or two yard line. I don't think Atelio should be too unhappy that he only gave him the one point off. <laughs> I don't think it's a key point or the turning point in this ballgame. Not right now, Frank. <laughs> Ball play, Angelo Santucci is met by Chuck Zapak around the 38-yard line. There's a penalty marker down, though. The gain would be 3-4. to four. Let's bring in Don Whitman. You know, it may be cold down on the sidelines, but it isn't too unpleasant when you have such charming companions. And I've decided that I'd like to hear what these Edmonton cheerleaders have to say, despite the fact that you're behind 38 sets. Little cheer girls. The 
you're going to have to go a long way at <laughs> 38 to 6. And especially with that illegal procedure penalty they just called against them, giving now a first and 15. From the 30-yard line. To the ball away. Warrington was in the area that's ruled incomplete, but the Alouettes dropped back that time and everybody covered. Well, he got out of the pocket that time after a little pressure and was trying to hit Don Warrington, but Chuck Zapek, number 76, just had Warrington covered out there. Warrington couldn't move away from him, and he certainly just threw that ball into the ground. Much happier cheerleader there than we saw with Don Whitman. Funny how the score influences how cold people feel or how warm they feel, depending on where you stand and which I'm side you're on. I'm about as frozen as my telestrator right now, Donnie. <laughs> Second down at 15. Letterman tripping and the junior all year with Paul Brown. Wow, when it goes bad for you, it just continuously goes bad. And Don, you're exactly right. Letterman setting up the pass. The back foot slipped out from underneath him, and he was sacked. Might not see it from this particular angle, but just as he planted that back foot to throw the ball, no way he could throw it, and IU sacked him, pushing him back to the 16-yard line. Long greeting and aloha from Hawaii from Junior IU. And he can be running there, I think, probably tonight. <laughs> I would think so, <laughs> if he's smart. He might wait to pick up his check. Ah, yes, the beaches of Waikiki are beckoning. Third down. Nicky Harris jumps over the first wave and Towns has him across center field about the 53-yard line. 38 to 6, the Alouettes lead. 12:44 to play in the game. This is Grey Cup 77. Just announced the attendance here at the Olympic Stadium for the first Great Cup game played here. 68,205. Alouette's first down from the Eskimos 52. Belton. Belton is hit by Lavarado. Potter as he got across the 50, and the game's going to be about six. They said they had 68,200 tickets, Don. I don't know where that extra five came from. Yeah, that's a little hard to figure. That's all of us jammed in the booth right oh, here. <laughs> we have five seats right here. Well, Van Pelt, great Winnipeg player in 58. We told you he set the single-game scoring record of 22. Right now, Don Sweet is three away from breaking it. John O'Leary. Inside the 35-yard line, he was cut down by Dale Potter. Well, you have to look at Sonny Way here, number 14, again, in his last two great cups. He's depicted as the outstanding player, and he's having a, another good afternoon here with his play selection and his execution. Keeping that Edmonton team off balance most of the afternoon. again will be rolled back around the 30-yard line. Boone hit him. The game's going to be three to four. Eleven minutes and five seconds. The clock moving. That's the time remaining in the fourth quarter. 
Now, good offensive blocking here now as they come out, but Kepley and Fennell move in there and limit the game to four yards, but most of the afternoon, it's been Sunny Wade throwing that ball over top of them that's created most of the damage. Out comes Dan Yoakum. Sonny Wade has gone all the way at quarterback, pitching to Belton, and he will be close to the first down. They may mark him a little short at the Eskimo 25. That'll really indicate about that much. It'll be, I would uh, suspect, Alouette choices for the outstanding players of this game. But those choices may be very, very difficult to make. I think the Alouettes are going to go for this on third down. That shows you just how much coaches are concerned with records. Don Sweet is not going to get a chance to try the great cup record right here. They might not know about the record. I don't. <laughs> First down it is. John O'Leary sliding through to about the 18. He's had a fine day. Well, a lot of these Alouettes, as we see the Alouette offensive line come off the ball there, number 28, Greg Butler, tried to come in and turn the play inside, but the offensive left side of Yoakum and Watson had moved Este and Fennell off the line of scrimmage to allow O'Leary to get the first down with plenty to spare. O'Leary now is Kabaudi, and Mofford is in the ballgame for Montreal on first down. And he went down as the pass arrived. It sailed over his head. Well, Mofford number 10 and 55 Randall got tangled up with each other there. Randall went down as though he was blocking Boone, allowing him to penetrate on Wade, and then as he threw the ball out over top, he fell over Randall. And we see Don Sweet on the sideline, and he's thinking about maybe next time I would be in there again. And he's been hot. He may not be aware of a record opportunity. Well, if he's looking at the scoreboard at all, he has to be flashed up there every three minutes. He wouldn't be looking up there. Melton, about the 13-yard line. He'll be halfway to a first down or better. Dale Potter met him. Eight minutes and 54 seconds remaining now. 38-6 for Montreal. And Don Sweet is going to get his opportunity. Third down and five. going for his sixth field goal of the day. He's already broken the single game record. This for the all-time one game scoring record in a great cup game. And that also is here. Number 11, Don Sweet now has scored 23 of Montreal's 41 points this afternoon. Fair afternoon's work, Don, when you can score 23 points. Some of us never scored that many in our career. Now, who are you looking at, right? Me? <laughs> <laughs> but that's some afternoon when you can kick so consistently, especially on the surface like this, where there always is that concern of sliding and losing your footing when you're kicking those field goals and also the punts. And, of course, he's only missed one all day, and he didn't miss that one by very much. And kicked it deep into the end zone, which gave them a one-point play on the uh, missed field goal. Eight minutes and 34 seconds remaining, and the result of this wake-up game has been decided many, many minutes ago. 
Montreal with their dominance physically on the field over the Eskimos in the first half and their frustration in not scoring more than 10 points. Exploding in the third quarter to seemingly put this great cup away. And the big thing, Don, in that first half, they got all those turnovers and couldn't turn those into touchdowns. They have not got the turnovers in the second half, but have done it by themselves. From the 35, Sweet's kickoff is not deep. Angelo Santucci coming up with it. Good run back by Santucci across center field. He's taken down by Dickie Harris inside the 50-yard line. I think that's been the best offensive weapon that the Edmonton Eskimos have been able to muster, and that's Santucci's running back those kickoffs. And there we see framed in the dome of the Olympiad here, the big O, the Grey Cup, which they're playing for and certainly is going to stay here in the East again this year. John O'Leary cheering that Montreal defense on right now as Lemmerman flares it out to Strickland. And he's out of room at the 45-yard line. The game's going to be about six. Let's check in once again with Bill Stevenson. Thank you, Don. This is Max Huber, the big offensive lineman who should be in a hospital today. He was scheduled to be operated on yesterday, but the doctor got busy, and so he's watching the game. And Max, that offensive line has played magnificently. We're doing a heck of a job against what's supposed to be a really good defensive line. But, uh, the offense is just doing a job today on him. And look at the teammates of yours behind us. They're just nine miles high now. That's right. We're all high. We're all happy as can be. Thank you very much, Max Huber. And back now to Don Chevrier. All right, Bill. Again, a Montreal defense denying the first down, it would appear. Angelo Santucci got to about the 43. Had to be at the uh, 41, 41 and a half. Zetek made contact with him. You know, Davis, before this ball game started, I thought maybe there wouldn't be 23 points scored by both teams, let alone one guy after looking at those field conditions. What an afternoon Don Sweet has had. Well, you were right in the first half on that theory as well. Strickland is stacked up. I do not believe the Eskimos have made the first down. Their defense has out on the field. Strickland met by Tony Proudfoot. And we see our friends from Newfoundland are well represented here this afternoon. But this is just indicative of how well the Montreal team has played this afternoon, stopping on that third down situation. And we'll return to Montreal with Great Cup 77 after this. We are midway in the final quarter, seven minutes and 33 seconds remaining, 41 to 6 for Montreal. They have scored 31 points in the second half. the football. But in a day like this, it'll often bounce right back to you, and it did. That's the kind of afternoon the Alouettes are having. So, he'll absorb a loss of eight yards. It's going to be second down from the 35-yard line. 18 to go. With the second chance, Ian Mofford's there. Young Mofford up to the 48-yard line, but he, too, will be short of the first down, contained by Tom Towns and Ed Jones. 
Well, that's for the story all afternoon. The Edmonton Eskimos just have not been able to get to Sonny Wade as well as they did last week in the final against BC in the West. And Wade has been able to elude them when they do get close to him, as he did on that last play, getting Montreal a gain of about 12 yards after losing eight on the previous play. is coming. Bounce back to Larry Highball at the 20. Nowhere to go. Carl Cornell was there. Chown was there as well, number 26. They ran him down in his tracks. Joe Barnes has not seen action today, but he led the Alouettes to a 7-0 record before being injured. Has been available to play if necessary, but Sonny Wade has got the job done. Well, they talked about how Sonny Wade could come up with the big ball games, and he has done it again this afternoon for this Alouette club. Oh, Warrington in contact with the 30-yard line. Couldn't bring it down. It'll be second down. Here's Bill. Here's the record holder, Don Sweet. Congratulations. Thanks a lot, Bill. Uh, it's been a heck of a football game so far, and uh, maybe anybody else if it was on the Alouettes would have had the same thing. The defense has played great. Uh, they've kept great field position, kept Dave Collins a great kicker on the range, and, of course, that's helped us a lot, too. So it's a whole team effort today. Just super. Just yeah, a great I, idea. It does not seem to have given you any problems, either. I mean, now the bad field conditions. They're so slippery. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. They're allowing us to move the ball in from the hash for most of the ices. We're not having trouble as a kickoff because even though, especially at this far end, it's uh, really frozen. I've got to chew it up, but I'm, it's probably psychological. I'm afraid of slipping. But uh, as far as anything else goes, they're allowing us to get a good spot on the field. Don Sweet, thank you, and congratulations. Thanks, Bill. And we may uh, add ours. I trust to uh, Bill's sweetest had just a tremendous day and a tremendous season for Montreal. Don, we just had an illegal interference call against the Yellow defense to give the Edmonton club a first down. That's going to be called a lateral there. That ball could that be could free. free. No, they're ruling it not. It looked to be a lateral S. I'll agree with you, but they say it was an incompleted forward pass. Now, that's one of those questionable plays that was brought in last year by this Montreal Alouette club when they dumped it out to Andy Hopkins so often. And quite often, that ball is thrown back from the quarterback to the receiver clearing out of there. That's you know, questionable. We haven't had this many points scored in the Great Cup game since 1956. It involved these same two teams. The score was 50-27. to 27. But that day, it was the Eskimos on the winning end of it. We have 41 up for Edmonton or Montreal right now. Wide open is too lying, but he can't get to it. The bottom's a good five yards beyond it. Tom, when you make that statement, I think you mean by the winning team. By in total winning points, team, yeah. uh, the 1958 Great Cup was 35-28. No, not total score, Frank. Right. By the winning team. In fact, uh, the winning team uh, has only scored more than 41 points on three other occasions back in 1913. And we'll go down the list here. 56, of course, we mentioned. And 1923. That's going back a long way. That's a year rush started. Well, you tell us for a round. I had to look it up. <laughs> Third down. Ankylistic. 
One of his best of the day. A good looking kick. Coming down to Vicky Harris around the 32 yard line, slipping and sliding. Now getting chopped to the flag is thrown. And Harris taken down near center field. York Henschel, number 69, met him. That was a flag, flag down. Went down just after he caught the ball. The puck, you're right, was one of the better ones by Alyssa. It traveled 53 yards. And it's a clipping call, perhaps against Barry Ardur. Here's Bill Dell. It is Ardur. We have four and a half minutes left. It's 41 6 Montreal. Now, Barry Ardern coming on these specialty teams for the Alouettes now, running downfield with the person, Santucci, who's been doing a good job on the special teams, and he pushed them from behind, and that is flipping, moving the Alouettes back inside their 20-yard line. Well, they're first down. Belton has maybe only a yard. He was caught around the 21-yard line by Potter. Here's Bill Stevenson once again. All right, and with me is Glenn Weir. Glenn, this has been some game. Oh, it has. We jumped on him early, and uh, we should have had more points the first half. But the defense has played stand-up ball. Well, that's that's what we intended on doing. We intended on taking it to them, and uh, we have so far. Anyways, there's three minutes left. And it's going to be a long three minutes. We want to get in there. Glenn, this is the most lopsided victory in the Grey Cup since Montreal beat Edmonton in 56, 50 to 27. Well, we got nine more points to go. Oh, you think you get him 50? Sure. All right. Glad we're congratulations. We'll see you after the game. That was Horace Belton gathering in that pass around the 31-yard line. Bill Stevenson, uh, not the gentleman you just heard, but the one out there, number 62, playing for Edmonton, made the tackle, and it's going to be short by a yard, third and one. And Marv Levy, it appears, will send in his putting team. security arrangements for the presentation of the Grey Cup. They'll need some crowd control here. They're going to be about 68,000. Well, make it 65. 3,000 came in from Edmonton. Very happy Montreal fans. All trying to get a piece of the action. Short kick by Wade. Bounces at the 50-yard line. Two flags go down. Obviously, no yards would be the call. John Feilinger, Carl Pennell uh, appear to be well within five yards of him. So we have just under three minutes left now. It's 41-6 Montreal. Grey Cup, 1977. The Montreal Alouettes are two minutes and 52 seconds away from claiming the Grey Cup officially. They lead by 35 points. The last time a team won the Great Cup by that margin was in 1945 when Toronto defeated Winnipeg 35-0. And Noah was not playing in 1945, <laughs> Were you injured? <laughs> yes. 30-day list. <laughs> Lemmerman. Down that sideline. It is incomplete. George McGowan with Vernon Perry covering him. It is going to be second down at 10. Clock goes down to 239 as we get more waves from more happy Alouette supporters here at the Olympic Stadium. 
It wasn't terribly noisy here in Montreal last night due to the high winds and the snowstorm, but it's liable to be worse than the eve of a normal Grey Cup this evening in this town. <laughs> covering both those long passes by Lammerman down the sideline. Perry on one side, Harris on the other. And, and Don, you have to feel a little bit sorry. It's been a long afternoon for Huey Campbell, the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos in his rookie season, having taken them to a first-place finish. But it, it has been a good season for him and the Eskimos, and certainly he'll be back, I'm sure. I will say this also. I'm sure you'll agree the Eskimos are a better football team than they have shown themselves to be this afternoon. Again, the far sideline, that is going out of bounds. Trying to hit Warrington, 39, Wally Buono. The right side linebacker covering, it'll go to third down. And a turnover for Montreal. And there is the breakup. Two minutes and 26 seconds away from being in possession of Sam Berger, Marv Levy, Montreal Alouettes. Mug's been around for a long time, and it's what every football player wants to have his name inscribed on. They want to be on a breakup winner. And a lot of these Montreal Alouettes have been there before, but some of these rookies, it's their first time. Bob Gannis goes right. Jerry Dottilio on the left side. Eskimos out of downs. The Alouettes the first down. This is Horace Belton. A shot from Kepley on the way through. Then gets shut off right around the line of scrimmage. There'll be no game. not gone downstairs. Frank is still with us. I'll tell you, Don, I was trying to count the Edmonton Eskimos out there on the field on the last play, and I think they were one man short. And it was interesting, they had a, a pass interference call against the BC Lions in that Western Final, and the guys told me in the locker room during practice this week that they actually had 14 men on the field when they were called. They got a break there, but <laughs> they know, haven't had too many this afternoon. It was the same kind of day, Frank, that the BC Lions endured a That's week right, ago. The ball game just got away from them as it has the Eskimos today. Pass out to Belt. Dan Kepley had a piece of him, and then he's driven out of bounds around the 52-yard line. Ed Jones got a good shot in on him. And they're still short, though, the first down. Uh, Dan Kepley, number 42, who has been the most outstanding defensive player, just does a good hustling job here to chase Belton down and make the initial stop here. And that's why he was the outstanding player in the entire season. And it's just been announced that Sonny Wade for the third successive breakup that the Montreal Alouettes have played in has been named the outstanding player. And Glenn Weir is the outstanding defensive player. Certainly two fine choices this afternoon when Montreal has dominated completely. Wade Ross has 345 passing yards. He's been good on 22 of 37. And now, of course, in his role as punter on third down. He's done the job. Highball flag is down, in fact, two of them. And so is Larry Highball. Across the 25-yard line. I'm wondering how many players are on the field possibly right now for either team because both downfield officials do flags. 13 players on the field. I'm not sure which team has 13 players. The 
cheering in the background for Glenn Weir's selection. I think that it may have been Edmonton. Said they had 11 on a couple of plays ago. They more than made up for this guy. They're trying to get even. There's a couple of them trying to sneak in the dressing room right now. <laughs> They're going the wrong way. You know, we had an interesting story out west a few years ago. We had a very, very cold game, and Leo Cahill was coaching the Toronto Argonauts. And he said they asked him how he uh, decided on who was going to start the ball game, and he just told him in there that nobody wanted to go out. It was about 30 below zero. He said the last 12 out of the dressing room have to start. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, this will give the Alouettes a first down as the Eskimos were caught with the 13th man on the field. And when things are going bad, as we said before in this telecast, they just continue to go that way for you, and it's been that type of afternoon for the Eskimos from Edmonton. That penalty will take the ball to the 49 of the Eskimos. There's the time remaining, a minute and 44 seconds. Belton is belted right there, the line of scrimmage. Sixty-five for now. Making contact with him. It is no gain. It's going to be second down and ten. The Alouettes will likely go with running plays. Here's Joe Barnes getting a final season appearance coming in. Now the cheer going up for Don Sweet selection as the outstanding Canadian player of the Great Cup game. He'll win the Dick Suderman Award. Joe Barnes back from a separated shoulder leading the Alouettes to seven straight wins before he got hurt. Now getting a little bit of playing time in the Great Cup game for Marv Levy in relief of Sunny Way. Ian Mufford battling his way across the 45-yard line, well short of the first down. He'll be five or six yards away as he's rolled back. Jones covering number 24. I see Joe Barnes' statistics before he was hurt this year, having led the Alouettes to the first place finish with those initial seven wins. He gets in for a play in the Grey Cup in his rookie season, and he'll be back to play a lot of football for this Alouette club. Third down and five. A minute, five seconds remaining. 41 to six for Montreal. It's been all Alouettes all day, but on the scoreboard in the second half, they have been able to pick up the points they missed in the first. 31 in this second half so far. Well, Cornell is well within the five yards. The ball was picked up finally by Larry Highball, so the Alouettes are going to be called for no yards. 44 seconds remaining. There is the minute flag, which you'll see for the last time in 1977. Side to a screening zone of five yards. That'll win the ball out to the 27-yard line. Don, the roar starting here in the big hole for these Montreal Alouette fans. It's been there most of the afternoon with the success the Alouettes have had. Well, it's that kind of a day. Lennon can't get the ball from center. And they'll be second down right there. With the clock down to 41 seconds. And we'll start counting down in just a moment or two. 
It has been indeed because of the elements a very strange Grey Cup game. Tom, one of the things that's been really strange is we had such an excessive amount of turnovers, 10 of them in the first half. This second half has just been a well-played football game. No comparison between the two. Here's Langerman popping it up there. And it's incomplete. Two defenders for the Alouettes, Rhino and Perry. Down there's a flag back at the line of scrimmage and could be a penalty against the Edmonton Eskimos for holding. But That's Peter Ribbons, who in the pass was intended for. 24 seconds on the clock. They called Zapek for illegal interference. He must be holding somebody up at the line of scrimmage as a linebacker. This is no time to hold anything up, including the uh, time remaining. It's time to grab the cup and run. Except That's the right. post-game party. <laughs> That's what they're holding up right now. 24 seconds. Santucci. He's down around the 35-yard line. Three away from the first down. By Gordon Judges. And the Eskimos are huddling quickly. Can't get it again. Two defenders. Harris and Proudfoot on him. Twelve seconds left. Well, we got some fans coming out of the end zone, and the security people are trying to get them out of there to get this game finished so that Montreal can be presented with the Grey Cup. It's 12 seconds of playing time away. And that presentation will be made, I think, by Commissioner Jake Kadar at the end of the game. Stay with us for the presentation of the Great Cup, the awards, the interviews, the reaction here in Montreal. A flag is dropped, but Down has the ball. Crump finally has him with a little help. A good shot there from Perry, I think it was, coming through. Four seconds remaining, but a penalty flag has him thrown. For this one, Don, see what happens. But these Alouette supporters are letting their team know exactly what they think of them, and it, it's got to be a great feeling for the Alouette team. We're holding their hands up in the air now to play in the Great Cup, the first one here in Montreal since 1969, and to win it so convincingly. Alouettes led 10 to 3 at halftime. And they have racked up 31 points for the Eskimos three. There's an illegal procedure call. And a necessary roughness against Montreal. Well, the procedure, of course, against the Eskimos. So they'll subtract, take it out of the 45-yard line for what should be the final play of the Great Cup game. Shot by Leverman. And it is complete. Still Lang, and time is up. That's it. The game is over, and the Montreal Alouettes at home in the Olympic Stadium have won the 1977 Great Cup 41 to 6 over the Western champions, the Edmonton Eskimos. Well, I see Glenn Weir and uh working their way to the presentation stand representing the Alouettes as the captains. 
And they'd known us for some time that they were going to be making that trek because it's just been a Montreal afternoon. The most lopsided Grey Cup victory in 32 years since 1945 has gone to the Alouettes with a tremendous second-half performance. There's Randall, the offensive captain, Cornell, the defensive captain. Sam Berger, a very happy man, with Randall on his right, the owner, Jake Gador, the CFL commissioner. And we're getting ready for the presentation of the Grey Cup. And you mentioned Sam Berger, Don, a man you have to give a lot of credit to. He kept football alive here when they were struggling at the auto stand with poor crowds, and he certainly has been rewarded here this afternoon as the presentation is being made. The door, the commissioner, Bill Hodgson, the league president, hand the great cup over to Cornell and Barry Randall. There they are. That's got to be one of the most exciting moments for a football player to be presented with that mug. Don and Russ, it must be particularly gratifying to Barry Randall because he didn't start the last three or four ball games. He came in there today and just did a fantastic job as the rest of the Alouette offensive line did. He's enjoyed the, the three Alouette Great Cup victories in the 70s. And their offensive line was the suspect area as, whether, as to whether they could stop the Edmonton defense. The Grey Cup firmly in possession of the Montreal Alouettes. Don't go away. There's much more coming to you on Grey Cup 77 from Montreal. We've got Junior Ayu with us in the Montreal dressing room, and uh, he just uh, came over, and the team just came in. Junior, uh, that had to be the best defensive display uh, of the year for your club. Well, uh, Coach Rose really prepared us. Uh, we went down with, uh, with all their tendencies and what they do on certain downs and, uh, and a certain hash mark. And uh, everything that they did, it seemed like we had something uh, ready for it. And uh, which is like we had a lot of breaks going on always. Uh, Edmonton, Edmonton is a lot better team than, uh, than today. We're just lucky that we had the, the breaks. Your defensive club forced a lot of those turnovers too. Well, the beginning of the game, they were our team and uh, so did Edmonton. They made a lot of, we made lots of uh, turnovers. And uh, I guess we kept on forcing them to make the turnovers and uh, we hardly made any ourselves. How cold was it out there? Not, not very cold. Hey, for a boy from Samoa, come on now, it has to be cold. No, I'm going back to the <laughs> islands next week, so I, I'll get my warm, warm day then. I don't blame you. There are a lot of folks in the stands that'd like to go back to the islands with you after this cold weather today. Well, all those people in Montreal, come on down there. I'll show you why. <laughs> okay, Billy. Junior, I've just got to say, while we were up here, the team uh, held their prayer. Do you have a prayer after every game? Uh, before every game, and after every game, I was held for us. It's, it's customary with our team. I'm sure it's with most teams. Well, I gather my mic wasn't working, so I'll ask that question again. You have a team prayer before and after every game, do you, Junior? Yes, we have a team prayer. It's a customary that we have a team prayer before a game and after a game. And I think it's the same with every team in the CFL or uh, professional sports. Thank you, Junior. Okay, Junior, I know you want to get into that celebration. Uh, we've got, uh, well... Our French confrères have grabbed Larry Smith, who had just come wandering up to us. Uh, the players are on the other side of a partition here, uh, and uh, they have to make a track around. Here we have somebody coming over to us now, so we can grab him. Gabriel Gregoire is uh, walking. Come on in here, Gabriel. 
I know you want to come in here and talk to the boys in, uh, on the French network first, but you've got a bottle of champagne there. Go ahead, pop it open if you want. Hey, that was quite a ball game. Yeah, very good, good one. Specialty team, offensive, defensive, all are great. Thanks for the TV, thanks for the radio, thanks for the people who came here. That's great. You don't want to pop that bottle of champagne open right now? I but you have so nice suit. I don't like uh, it's you. It's okay. It has to go to the no, cleaners anyway. No, don't trust the French guy. <laughs> you got to run that. Well, go ahead. You know, I'll drink some of it. Okay, we'll come back to the dressing room in a moment. Right now, let's go to Tom McKee. Et lors des trois prochaines minutes, nous rendrons hommage à trois joueurs qui se sont distingués lors du match de cet après-midi. Now our post-game awards presentation. The first two awards will go to the best defensive and offensive players of today's game. And it will be Labart's awards. First to the best defensive player. Tout d'abord, le meilleur joueur défensif lors du match de cet après-midi, qui est le plaqueur des Alouettes de Montréal, Glenn Weir. The best defensive player, Glenn Weir. Monsieur Fernand Leranger, vice-président de la Brasserie de Labat, présentera le prix. Mr. Fernand Leranger, vice-president from Labatt, will present the award to Glenn. On behalf of Labat, it's a pleasure to offer you a card. Thank you very much. Now the outstanding offensive player of today's encounter. Maintenant le joueur par excellence à l'attaque aujourd'hui, toujours dans le camp des Alouettes de Montréal, from the Montreal Alouettes, Sonny Wade. On behalf of Labatt, I'm glad to offer you an Oldsmobile. Thank you very much. Labatt, I'm very pleased to offer you an Oldsmobile. Very nice, thank you. Et nous avons un autre trophée à présenter. Now the third award will go to the outstanding Canadian player of today's game. Et le prix sera présenté par Monsieur Ed Ogden, qui est vice-président de CPR. The award will be presented by Mr. Ed Ogden, vice-president from CPR. And the award goes to Montreal's Don Sweet. Et le trophée va à Don Sweet des Alouettes de Montréal. Monsieur Ogden fera la présentation. Don, let me give you uh, the congratulations of Canadian Pacific for uh, winning this award. It was just a great game today. I was wondering who, uh, whose records you're going to beat next time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hope we're in it. Thanks very much. The Dick Suderman Memorial Trophy. Okay, thank you. All the best to you and uh, a trip anywhere that uh, you want to go on Canadian Pacific Airlines system. That's great. Thanks very, very much. So, congratulations, gentlemen, for... A fine game. Merci beaucoup, messieurs, et félicitations une fois de plus pour cet excellent match que vous nous avez livré. We're back in the dressing room, the Alouette dressing room, where it's a very excited scene, of course. The champagne corks are popping, and with us, the victorious coach, Marv Levy. Marv, congratulations. Uh, you had an awful lot of opportunities, as we were discussing a moment ago, in that first half, but then you really took it to them in the second. Well, we did. We, we, I know we turned the ball over and frittered away some opportunities in the first half, but we really expected those type, that type of thing would happen today. And we even told our team that. Look, uh, there are going to be some turnovers. There are going to be some fumbles. Don't go downhill. Don't, don't uh, uh, get discouraged when those things happen. Those are, they're going to happen today and just keep coming on and keep coming on. And uh, you're the kind of guys we have faith in. We think you'll, you'll win the game if you do. And they certainly did do those things. 
things. Well, Marv, uh, just sorry, Bill. One thing I wanted to ask you. I noticed you're bundled up against the elements. How did the players find it down there? You didn't have any heaters on the bench. No, we didn't have heaters on the bench. And, uh, just for a reason? Well, unless it was really bitter cold, we didn't feel we wanted there. I think they're a diversion. They, they, they sort of roar and make a noise, and uh, your players are always running over to them to get their hands warm, and uh, they're thinking about the heater. Uh, uh, and I, I just felt that unless it was just bitter cold, and it wasn't, and the wind wasn't bad inside the stadium, that we didn't need something of that nature. We were better off without it. Marv, you've always been known as a very conservative coach. What were you trying to do? Blow your reputation out there going for those third downs? Well, again, you know, I, I, my concern more in going for them, I felt it was a little bit more of a percentage play, Bill, because uh, the, the conditions were so tough on snapping the ball and the punter. They, really, the snaps and punts amazed me today that uh, the punters and the snappers of both teams did so well. But I thought, oh, heck, it's just a big chance to make a I think you're going to get the champagne. <laughs> <laughs> a sneak move by Ray Watford as he came up from behind. Okay. I'll tell you, that offensive line did a pretty good job for you, and your your kicking units were fantastic. Yes, our offensive line has come together in the last several weeks. Uh, and it's the same guys. They just kept plugging, and they got better, and they got better. And uh, uh, after we had the midseason slump, and uh, uh, we regained Sonny after the injury it had, uh, Sonny did a lot with a short pass game to help that offensive line feel, hey, we can protect this long. And then it, it, it began to build from there. And our kicking units... I, I'm really proud of them. I, I, uh, we, we try so hard to drum at our players at kicking game. I don't just mean our kickers. We, we know our kickers are good players and around the league. But I mean the guys that cover and the guys that return and our field goal rush units. Oh, I'm proud of our kicking team. Marv, I know you'd like to get some of that champagne out of the bottle instead of over the head. And I know you're very proud of a fellow over with Tom McKee, the defensive star of the game, Glenn Weir. Well, Glenn, we got to ask you this question. That is, in weather such as this, are you favored as a defensive player or what? Well, I think maybe uh, the defense has a little edge in icy conditions like this. It's harder for the quarterbacks to get back and plant and throw and harder for receivers to uh, get downfield. So probably, you know, on this type of field, we had the advantage. All right. We thought you had, as a matter of fact, a touchdown, Cooker. You don't touch the ball that often, do you? Oh, Although no. you've had a pretty good year this year. Oh, I used to be an old fullback. Take a look here. Take a look here. Oh, all right. You're in there somewhere. There it is. I went 20 yards backwards. <laughs> the boys are all shoving me here. All right, keep going backwards. I, I was going to back in like Johnny Rogers. <laughs> Nobody remembers that name today. You know that? <laughs> Glenn, they're going to be happy in Dorchester, Ontario tonight, aren't they? Oh, I bet you. There's some of the boys out here tonight. Congratulations. It was really a great effort on your part. We're going to talk to some of the other award winners in just a moment. This is Grey Cup 77. We'll continue in a moment. Sonny Wade and Don Sweet. Don, I don't know what I can say to you. You kicked the dickens out of that ball. Well, I guess it's just a, just a lucky break the way our, our defense played, basically, and Sonny moved the ball so well. We kept Dave Cutler out of uh, his range, uh, enabling us to get a lot of uh, shorter field goals. And, of course, uh, I guess they all add up just, as, just the same as touchdowns. Well, they certainly do. There's no doubt about that. But this was a, a football game between two teams, but also between two uh, big kickers. Did you feel that pressure as well? Cutler against Sweet. I did, I guess, because the games that we've played them through the years and through exhibition has come that way. But there's two other two guys that have done a super job, and the guy standing beside me, Sonny Way, just kicked the heck out of that ball. Just did a great job for us today. Now, listen, go back a couple of years. It makes up for that one in Calgary, doesn't it? Well, I don't look at it that way. That's sport. Uh, you know, I mean, those are, you never look behind. You've always got to look ahead. Uh, that's professionalism, and I believe that's uh, the way we should look at sport. Well, you mentioned the guy beside you. Let's talk to Sonny. What were your thoughts as we 
came down here to the ball. First of all, let's go back to yesterday. Do you think the game would ever be played when you looked at all that snow? Oh, well, you know, well, sure. We came out here and uh, we, we practiced yesterday morning. They had some people working on the field already. So, you know, I knew they were going to be prepared to you know, at least have the field in some type of playable condition. No disrespect to you, but I just can't believe you threw the ball as well as you did under these conditions. Well, you know, it did make it pretty tough a couple of times. Uh, they put, I think, some type of chemical solution down on the field uh, to help with the ice situation that was on the field. But any time the ball would touch that, it would uh, make it just, just as slippery as it could be, just like a, a slime sort of. And, you know, even a couple of times, the center was so slippery, the center couldn't even bring the ball up, you know, out from the field, you know, just that short distance well, to get it to me. So. Did you have anything particularly on your hands that it would help you in a situation like <laughs> no, that? No, not really. You know, sometimes you get a dry ball that was, uh, you know, was good to throw, and uh, other times it would be be wet and slippery. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of a guessing game. We thought we were watching two different football games, the first half and the second half. Did you feel the same? Well, you know, uh, I felt like the first half we moved the ball real well. We just didn't take advantage of our scoring opportunities. And, uh, you know, it, like I said, with the field conditions, we had a few fumbles. I know we fumbled down the one-yard line, and uh, we should have had a score right there. And we were in, score, like I said, scoring position several times and just came away with no points. Well, I tell you, this has been some kind of a year for you, hasn't it? It well, looked yeah. a, little, a little gloomy there for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, for sure it did, uh, first of the year. But, uh, you know, that, that, like Don was saying, that's, that's sports. That's the way things, you, you know, you're going to have to ride the waves a little bit and, you know, just hope you get your opportunity and uh, try to make the best of it when it comes along. You seem to be one of the best clutch players we've ever seen. You have that reputation. Well, the only thing I can say is, is uh, purely coincidental. I, you know, I'd like to be, like I said before, be assured I was going to play a good game every time it was a big game. But, uh, you know, I, I felt like, you know, our whole team today played like great cup champions. We went out there. Our defense played real well. We covered on our special teams, got some good punt returns from uh, Harrison Rhino. And our offensive line did a tremendous job of blocking. And, uh, you know, that it takes everybody to be a winner. And everybody played, did their share today. Just one last question. Do you remember that first great cup back in Toronto? Pretty oh, bad weather conditions then, too. Well, well, actually, the weather wasn't as bad as the field. The field, it, yeah. yeah we, they'd had uh, some fresh sod that they just put down, I guess, a week or two before, and it hadn't taken root yet. So uh, we were slipping and sliding out there that day, too. Well, the weather might have been very cold here in Montreal today, but Sunny Wade and the Montreal, uh, Montreal Alouettes were red hot. Congratulations again. Thank you. You're watching Grey Cup 77. We'll continue in just a moment. Well, a few moments ago, out in the Olympic Stadium, Carl Fresnel and Barry Randall and Montreal owner Sam Berger. Now, I don't know whether Sam Berger got to drink some champagne out of this thing. Barry, hold it up. The CBC jacket was ready for the cleaners anyway. Hey, Carl Fresnel, we've got Dan Yoakum, we've got uh, Wayne Conrad, Carl Fresnel, Pat Bonat, we've got Ray Watson, Vicki Harrison, Barry Randall. I feel surrounded like the Eskimos did all day. You guys defensively first of all attacked the crowd. Does it work? We played three four open. We played uh we're slamming the lamb and played a new number of defenses. Uh uh, the field conditions weren't the best. There's a little ice in uh, certain spots of the field, but we took advantage. Uh, there were a lot of turnovers in the game. Uh, we, uh, our offense capitalized. They got the ball and scored when they had to score. 
Uh, they have a very fine team. Uh, then again, maybe again they took us for granted. Uh, but we did we, we did beat them 41 to six. We only allowed them to kick two field goals. Does so, this make up for the disappointment of not being named to the All-Star team? Oh yes, team? this is a much better any day. <laughs> big day to the All-Star team. Okay, Bill. All right. Let's turn right over here to Barry Randall. Now, I, the only thing I don't know is how Dickie Harris got in this group. Do you let him in with the offensive oh, yeah. lineman? Well, the, we, he can come in once in a while. He did a heck of a job today, so uh, he deserves to be here. <laughs> little shortness in the crowd here. See, so you and me. All right, we we'll go. Barry, I thought the offensive line played as well today as you've ever played. I think we did. We we, we protected the quarterback. Uh, the first half, we we didn't blow him off the ball as well as we did the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. We we're really rolling by then. Well, it was just a <laughs> tremendous job. Ray Watron standing behind me. Ray, how did you get your footing to get in and make all the sacks were made out there because you kept the pressure on the Eskimos? Well, one field, one of the field was better than the other, and I think it was really uh, kind of even both ways. Uh, sometimes they'd slip, you know, and we might have some traction, and you know, it's slip sometimes when, when they had more traction. But uh, overall, I think, you know, the traction both ways was, you know, just about equal. But, uh, I don't know, it was just great to be, you know, a winner. This is the third great cup in a row for me, so uh, you can't ask for anything more than that. I just want to say hello to everybody back in uh, Alberta. Bill, we got, and their defensive line is called Alberta what? Bill, we've got nice Mr. Story. Sam Berger, the owner of the Alouettes here. Congratulations, Mr. Berger. He must be very, very proud. Well, I certainly am. I'm very proud of our team. They just did a superb job. There didn't seem to be any question about it right from the start. And uh, I think uh, they could have scored 30 points, I think. I thought they had scored 30 points in the first half. However, uh, they made up for it. Uh, there was no question about it. But they played as a team. I, I can't single out any individual, really, because it was the whole team. Oh, you're going to get it, Mr. Well, this comes as no surprise to me. No? Let's, let's get the man who did all the damage, Dan Yoakum. How did you fellas get your footing out there? Well, first line didn't do all the damage, but uh, I helped a little bit. Our footing... Well, but, yeah, it's a secret, but uh, basically speaking, we prepared well. They call themselves Alberta Crew, and uh, we all remember 75 breakup, and it's a uh, big disappointment when we lost that. It was like we were never in it. And uh, this year we had something to prove to friends, family, people of Montreal. And uh, it's just a great experience. Anyway, look up. Okay, Dan Yoakum, Wayne Conrad, Carl Cornell, all the fellas here, Pat Bonat and Dickie Harris. Wayne Conrad, i got to say hello to my wife in Calgary, Debbie, and I love you. Okay, here's Tom McKay. We presented the 1977 Great Cup. Now this is Tom McKay speaking for our entire commentator crew from both the CTV and CBC networks, and also our sponsors and our complete technical and production crews, without which this broadcast would not have been possible especially so under the weather conditions that we had to live with. And so it's history. The Montreal Alouettes have won the 1977 breakup by a score of 41 to 6. I'm Tom McKee, and so long from Montreal. <laughs>